Previously on Martini Giant. And this is it's called, now I'm just going to guess here, there's there's three ways that we can go here. It's either Campuget, Campuget. <laughs> Campuget! <laughs> hey, has anybody seen The Lion King? Uh, no, I have not seen The Lion King. <laughs> I love how you change subjects so fast. It's no. so good. It makes sense. Excalibur was it was just as stupid in some ways. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Oh my god! Like, it had some great oh, nude scenes. The image. Oh. oh yeah, no, that movie Excalibur is brilliant. Brilliant Excalibur. for the nudity and the hand coming through the water. Revolutionized oh, awesome. the way hands come through water. And that is absolutely true. In that's the filmmaking business, and revolutionized how I look at Gabriel Byrne. Once I realized it was oh, him in that sex scene. Right. He's losing everything. Like he's losing uh, self-respect. He's losing his family, and he's gonna, you know, like he's like look By at the, the way, fucking hellhole. The, they're in. Honestly, truly. Originally, he wasn't a cop. Right. He was a, a VFX artist. It makes sense. <laughs> Utterly. <laughs> and, and, Utterly makes sense. And they're like, well, this is a little too real. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 21, which we will call The Dream Episode. It features two films, the 1984 film Dreamscape, directed by Joseph Rubin, starring Dennis Quaid, Max von Sydow, and Christopher Plummer. It is accompanied by the 2010 film Inception, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ellen Page, and many more. These are two very different films from two very different eras that are essentially the same film and same plot in many ways. They're executed very differently. Uh, they both heavily rely on visual effects, and some execute them amazingly, and some not so much. Really great episode. Uh, it is just the three of us. No special guests on this one. Uh, really loved the idea of us talking about dreams and how uh, it is discussed in these films and how different they are. Some more comical, some more insightful. Lots of questions being asked at the same time, uh, especially in terms of the audience and how they perceive uh, these films. Specifically Inception. I have a lot of issues with uh, the audience perception of Inception. But you'll get into that in this very long episode, so I'll try to keep the intro short. In the meantime, as always... I always ask you guys if you have ideas for podcasts and if you have ideas for films you'd like us to discuss or guests you'd like us to have, you can always just reach out to us personally. Uh, podcast at martinigiant.com. That is our email. Uh, very easy. Just send us a quick email. Let us know what you want to do there. But if you'd rather use social media, we can always do that. Twitter is pretty simple, at martinigiant. Uh, Instagram, at martini underscore giant. And, of course, our uh, Facebook is... Uh, facebook.com slash martini giant love to hear from you guys love to hear your ideas i will keep this intro short so you guys can indulge in the extremely long episode as it is every time we post one of these all right here it is episode 21 the dream episode because uh uh la colombe has not called us back yet i'm switched to uh, <laughs> pete's black and white for it tonight true iced espresso this is uh 100 calories and 12 wrenchens. Wrenchens? I'm not sure. No, what does that say? Oh, 12 grams of sugar. Sorry. Wrenchens. <laughs> 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 uh -uh. I would like to... Uh, so the, uh, the alcohol of choice for this particular episode is a Highland Park 12 Viking Honor. And I am calling it out specifically because this was a gift 
to me uh-huh. by one of the guests. You want to lower that a little bit. Okay. I'm gonna, uh, you can on. just push it down. Just can I, can I just do Oh, there it is. Yeah. That's better. Yeah. Uh, this was in front of my mouth. <laughs> this was donated to me by Matt Wallen, who is a, a listener of the CG Garage and uh, actually does uh, is on several podcasts himself. And Excellent. A really nice guy. Hello, Matt. Uh, hello, Matt. And uh, he listens to some of my podcasts and said, and I had I had been emailing him for years. Never met him in person, but mm-hmm. he and I connected very well in email. And then he came to L.A. for SIGGRAPH, and he says, I'm going to be in L.A. We should meet up. And I said, let's just do, go on a podcast. So he came on a podcast, and he bought me this because he knows who I am. And this is pretty close to exactly my kind of that, stuff. That's, that What's is right in the Highlands bullseye there? right there. Yeah, it's like pretty much bullseye, yeah, right? That's Nice job, Matt. Nice job. <laughs> it's a Highland Park 12-year-old Viking honor. Viking honor. Yes. That's pretty good. I didn't know the Vikings were whiskey drinkers. I thought they just drank blood. As long as it's fermented and that's, that's right. in, 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 in a uh, oaken cask with uh, yes the the head of a, uh, a villager yes <laughs> yeah, from the skull of your enemies of your of the, mm. the people you have conquered that's right have have you seen the uh, show I think it's called Vikings I'm I'm not sure Vikings oh uh, yes or maybe so, I'm thinking of the oh, no Norsemen is the one I'm thinking have you seen, seen Norsemen that was a Lee Majors movie too uh, the Vikings yes. Yeah, uh, with the Norseman. It was called the Norseman. The Norseman? Oh no, I'm no, thinking, no, no, no. I'm thinking so, of the Vikings okay, okay. with uh, what's there, his name? There's from, a show uh, called Spartacus. There's a show called Vikings, which is a serious drama. That's the that Game I, of Thrones style show. Yes, right. that I believe is on like FX right. or something. And like then that. there's Norseman, which, which is, is ridiculous. The funniest thing I've ever <laughs> seen. Have you ever seen this? I've, this is what I meant to say. This is the one I meant Have to say. Have you seen all? I've, the se- I've seen three episodes, three or four episodes. Okay, I've seen all two seasons, and that's all there is. It is tremendous. It is a tremendous show. Have you seen this show? No. What is it? It's on. Uh, it's on Amazon Netflix. or Netflix. Yeah, it's Netflix. on Netflix. Netflix. It is a Norwegian show, but they all speak English about Vikings. Yeah, and when they say they all speak English, they are speaking English. I'm not sure if anyone on the show actually speaks English. I, no, I think they all <laughs> there's do. There's a lot of phonetic action going there, on there. There's a lot but of – it's incredibly they, funny. They definitely have a slight n- – Norwegian. Oh, yeah, there's like it depends on character to character. Some people are are uh, are handling a little bit better than others, but uh, it is, so it is all all charming. And it all is, it almost is, is is basically like a, 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 a comedy about Vikings, and it's but it's shot very seriously, yes. and like and it's extraordinarily graphic, <laughs> very graphic, very graphic, which makes it twice as funny. It's called Vikings. Uh, no, no, it's uh, called Norsemen. 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 I think it may have an exclamation point at the end. It's very funny. It is. Uh, yeah, there is one point where they're like, there's like, just just to give you an idea of uh-huh. this thing, right? It's like it. They, it feels like modern times, like a like a, a sitcom, but mm-hmm. like extraordinarily graphic and violent and sex and everything right. that right. that Vikings do, right? Because they're Vikings. Because they're Vikings. <laughs> but at one point, there's like one guy goes, he goes, we gotta get there right now. I mean, what are we gonna do? And he keeps like. Like turning his wrist. Oh yeah. And the guy says, "Why do you keep looking at your wrist?" <laughs> right. Because they That's haven't funny. invented watches. <laughs> but he does this action of like, "We gotta get there right, right now. now." Why are you looking at your wrist? It's like, this why do you keep sense. looking at your wrist? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. funny. And the my uh, uh, the gag that won me over. I think it's in the first or second episode where this guy, um, uh, this uh, guy has this uh, attractive wife. Yes. And another guy basically just challenges him for. 
the wife. It, for the wife in Elves Land. And, right. Uh, so they're going to have a, a big contest. And the guy that challenges him is enormous and an incredible fighter. Right. Then the, uh, the, the small guy with the beautiful wife, you know, he's like, it's obvious that he won't be able to fight. But instead he goes on this uh, complex um, journey to go try to try to get poison to try to take this big guy out. Right. Right. And it's a really, it's like, it's he's a, really complex. It's, yeah, it's like a, it's a big thing. Just like, I gotta figure this out. I gotta I'm, I'm, like, get poison on the sword and blah, blah, blah. And it's building up and building up. He's really scared, but then maybe, you know, maybe this one way he can pull it off. Right. The fight starts and the big guy chops the little dude literally in half from head to crotch and in he falls in two pieces. Two seconds. <laughs> Like, like the entire the it entire was journey was amazing. futile. <laughs> it was amazing. That's funny. <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, I am watching all of this show. Oh, <laughs> that it, was it, it, that was phenomenal. Karen, I, I I saw something about it, and I said, so I was like, Karen, like I saw some trailer about it, and I and I went up to Karen. And I was like, I'm going to watch something different. And she goes, Okay, and she's like, just you know, checking her phone, whatever, you know, TV's on, right? And just like, it's like. What is this? Yeah. Like, oh God. I don't know. So so. I think happy. It was, and we couldn't like. I can't stop watching it. We like. We just two seasons. Yeah. I gotta get to the second uh, season. It's so funny. Yeah, that's some good business. It's man. Really funny. There, there have been a few things I've been trying to. Uh, I I still haven't caught up on the Chernobyl or on uh, Barry, which I know you also enjoy. Yes. Um, I did see uh, a half of uh, the Boys on Amazon, which I like a lot. It's a good okay. show. It's a fun show. Uh, and I feel like I'll watch one other thing uh, I try to catch up on. But Oh, uh, and I'm watching um, halfway through the new season of Glow, and I love Glow. Glow I've one seen my the first show. season yeah. of Glow. Mm-hmm. I love it. But the problem is, like, there's so much now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that no, like, it's hard to It's just hard, hard to, to time. keep up, yeah, right? It's hard to make time. So it is hard to make time. But, um, but today we have made time for two movies. We have. So, oh, we're going to get right into it. We're See, only segue. seven minutes. Segway. Seven minutes before we actually about talk about one. the movies. This must be a record. Wait, what, is, is this a podcast we're on? Yes. Okay, <laughs> this podcast is called Martini Giant. This is uh, three visual effects artists and people who work in the industry. Uh, <laughs> well, who, uh, we love talking about movies. We love movies the way you love movies. And if you like what we have to say or don't like what we have to say, you can reach us at... Uh, martinigiant.com. Uh, That's our website. You can also get to us on Facebook which is facebook.com slash martini giant. Correct. Him. Uh, on Twitter, we are at? Martini giant. Yes. And on Instagram, we are at? Martini underscore giant. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's true. We did not get, for some reason, we did not get martini giant on Instagram, but so it's martini underscore giant. If you're old school. I could lease it to you guys. Uh, yeah, I know. You already showed us how I much. I own it. If you want, I can, I can lease it to you guys. Uh, uh, Eric is the quiet guy in the background. Uh, am I the quiet guy? I don't you, think no, I no, am. No, no, no. You're the extremely handsome and funny man. No. You, you are ex- de- – yeah, you are definitely – I don't consider myself quiet. But I was, uh, again – Compared to Dan. You like, you like to – what, what, <laughs> just, just because this is an audio podcast and you guys don't necessarily realize uh, what happens uh, – Eric brings out his sketchbook mm-hmm. on every podcast, and uh, I doodle, and he doodles a ton, a ton of sketches and drawings. And he's a great artist, and a great artist. Yep. While we are podcasting, it's kind of like his his, uh, his little Zen moment. It's my Zen, but I can focus more. Yep, yep. Yes, yep. actually, Rob Poople did the same thing when yep. I did a podcast with Rob for CG Garage. He asked me for pen and paper so he could doodle because he was nervous about doing the podcast. Oh, that's a he was he was a great guest. 
He's he a great. He's a really he great. He will be. And imagine, like at the end of the podcast, you read it and it says, "I want to kill you, Chris. I want to slice <laughs> your throat, Chris." Period. Drawings I want, of the ways like, in which he's, he's going to kill you. you. Yeah, <laughs> when you don't look, hanging. I will stab you in the back. It, it's pictures of me being quartered. Like, oh, yes, exactly. did you forget <laughs> these? Did you forget these? He's like, "Oh, yeah, thanks, thanks." This and is he me with my hand in the uh, uh, garbage disposal. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yeah, just stuff I thought of while I was talking to you. It's not a big deal. Yep. Uh, oh, sorry. Well, last thing is if you want to uh, 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 be old school like me sometimes and just email us, that's easy. You don't have to get on social networks. Podcast at martinijohn.com. And then check out – we have a gallery now so you can see all the artwork. That's oh, true. Yeah. Yes, we do. We Yes. Yeah, so definitely go to martinijohn.com, martinigiant.com and check out all the episodes there. But there's a section called gallery, which is uh, work that Eric has done. What he likes to do, and we put it up on every podcast, is he inserts us into uh, uh, frames of the movie. And it is very, very funny. And we also put up frames, frames of the movies before we podcast them to see if you can identify, identify so which ones are which ones. Yeah, uh, so if Twitter, we, Instagram, and so yeah, Facebook. If, if you go on to uh, if you go yeah. on to social networks and he's like, oh, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, we'll, we'll yeah, like, and what movie are we seeing next? And we'll right. show a picture of maybe a shark, yeah. and we'll say this is a Steven Spielberg movie from the seventies about a shark. <laughs> which movie is it? And, and that's clearly can, yeah. the Sugarland yeah. Express. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Sugarland yeah. Express. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Why did you do that, dude? <laughs> Did I jump that one? I yeah, jumped it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a beautiful one. Anyway, yes. You can guess what kind of movie it is. And you work from there. But it kind of is nice. It engages the audience. It's nice. Yes. And we, we, we want to engage you. So please uh, write to us. And we will, <laughs> we will, in fact, engage you fully as hard as we can. I love it. There it is. All right. All right. So what are the two movies we're covering? So, so this was uh, an idea I had uh, in the back of my brain, uh, which is uh, basically a movie, two movies about dreams. Mm-hmm. More specifically, about going into someone else's dream. Mm-hmm. But well, by the way, I literally had a dream. Okay, I'll tell you during. Go ahead. No, go go ahead. Ahead. I had a dream last night. Like, uh, and I guess because we're watching these movies through the show, I had a dream where it was The Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, The Rock, uh, uh, Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson. He's a cool dude. I, I like that man. And he was with a briefcase walking down the street, and they were plates. For bills. Oh, like, nice. And I was behind oh, like, him. Like the print bills? Like a yes. die in LA. And or or T-Men. And I yeah, was or behind him. And I had a Chinese chicken salad to go uh-huh. with the vinaigrette dressing on the side. Nice. And I was spilling it. And I kept walking with him. And he's like, hurry up. We have to go. And I could look behind. And people are like... Those are the guys. And then we had to sprint and run, and I'm carrying this Chinese chicken salad <laughs> with a vinaigrette on the side, and he's got the plates. And then we have to squeeze into a tight elevator. I'm like, hold the vinaigrette. Yeah. <laughs> no joke. And I was like, I guess watching these movies triggered something. I was like, what the? And that's literally was the thing. It was an action adventure of him and I, and I have a Chinese chicken salad. I, he has I, plates. I, I hope that the, that, the, uh, that the bill plates were actually just uh, It was a, a black briefcase. I want to have a right. dream with Dwayne Johnson. I, um, you can he was really annoyed, too. Yeah. Uh, he was like, dude, totally get in the fucking elevator. <laughs> I was like, vinaigrette. I can't fit with this thing. Yeah. No, but the vinaigrette comes in handy later in the film because you can oil your way out of a tight situation, whatever you get trapped now, in. And a Chinese chicken salad as is it usually a vinaigrette that goes? With you you can order on the side. There's a great one at this place on Wilshire. It's usually is an, it's a different kind of dressing. Yeah, they use this. It's more of an oil base, right? It's um right on Wilshire by La Brea, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, it's kind of a Japanese restaurant, but they do a Chinese chicken style with grilled chicken strips. This is, yeah, this is by the uh, La Brea Tar Pits. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, my, it, and it has – it's like an orangey – it's almost like an oil. It's like a sesame oil. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I know a, what you're talking about That's now. what it was. That's and it, it was from that it. place. That would come in handy. I think that, that's a good – that's a good – No joke. I had that dream and I was like, that was the weirdest dream I've had in years. Yeah. No, I think I – Because he was totally composed but he's like, hurry it up. Hurry it up. I'm, I, I'm, I hope that you have more rock uh, dreams and sequelize this. With, uh, other kinds Chinese of lunch. Chickens. <laughs> I think it's a nice idea. Watch it like a movie come out like in two years. Like, what? That yeah. was my idea. Yeah, it's, it's Stuber 2. Well, Stuber 2. Stuber 2 is kind of fun to say. They should have just called it that. Stuber so two. I actually went to a uh, – we'll, we'll get to the movies in a second. Yeah. But I get I went to a podcast uh, recording at a comedy show which had the director of Stuber on the podcast. Oh, was he cool? Yes. I imagine he's cool. He's I don't, I don't know what his name is, but I bet Yeah, he's cool. but like, yeah, he was cool. Yeah. He was pretty cool. Yeah. I, Not I, necessarily I, someone that is super well known. Was it a video I, cast or a podcast? It was a podcast, audio podcast. I, I did hear part of an interview with him, and uh, and I thought that he sounded like he was cool, but I only called him. He is definitely it. chill. Yeah. yeah. Chill. He, he, apparently, he really likes buddy comedy movies. Yes. Yeah. And I, well, he did, a, he did another movie about. Um, uh, hockey that was about oh like, yeah goon goon goon's yeah. good yeah yeah goon's really good so he did that too yeah no, that's, he likes that's violent it. violent movies yeah dumb dumb movies about dumb guys doing dumb things doing violent things yeah, yeah. i like that funny i'm all for it yeah um, i'm actually a big fan of um uh who's the guy in stuber the, the oh camille no uh the big guy oh i forgot his name he's amazing yes. i love that guy and uh he was in blade runner 2 He's in the open. Yes, and he is. Like, yeah. That's and right. He's fucking awesome. He's he great. Is. Yeah, I love that guy. For some reason, I can't think of his name. But so, uh, so uh, he, the, the director, was giving out things to the audience. Batista, Batista, right? Dave Batista. Uh, the director was giving out uh, uh, gifts to the audience, and he had um, T-shirts from the movie, which wow. were basically just a giant face of Kamel or a giant face of Batista. Oh, that's on, great. On a T-shirt. Oh, that's it. And uh, the comedian, uh, there was a female on the on the on the panel, and she was really funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was talking about how she has uh, really big boobs, mm-hmm. and that basically Camille's eyes land right on her boobs. <laughs> right. And she was like, "Now I can say, no, no, guys, my eyes are down here." Ah, uh, there it is. That's <laughs> it was nice. pretty funny. <laughs> really, where funny. was that's this? Pretty good. Uh, it was at uh, Flappers, which is a comedy club in Burbank. Uh, oh, yes, Flappers. I thought Flappers was closed. No. No, it's still going? Yeah. I must be thinking something else. Flappers. Uh, you know what? It's right near my house, uh-huh. and we go there regularly. And Do you get some... a sitter? No, not anymore. You take the kids? No, we don't get a sitter anymore because my daughter is old enough to just sort of take That's care of great. Take care of business, yeah. Right. Sure. Uh and uh, we don't stay out too late, so we're not. We're home your, by your like daughter's 10. a director. She is, so it's no no stress, right? And your son is a is a podcasting machine. Yes, so and not a, not a problem. They got a pro routine going on. Yeah, so Karen and I go out to uh, to go see the flappers and see see, see some good, really good comedy. I love a good comic. I haven't been to a good comedy show in a long. You know long the thing time. is, we used to like oh, whatever go to a comedy. Show. I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to come here often because yeah. it's funny. There's yeah, some it's super fun. And by the way, L.A. is a like a Gold, gold mine of yeah. comedy. Yeah. Like it's like some people come in and like, oh my god, yeah. you know, really good stuff. Do you uh, do you watch uh, comedians in cars getting coffee? Love it. 
I love that show. I love that show. Did you yes, see the Eddie Murphy one? The kids are starting to get into it too. It's so mellow. Like I just, I that 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 is such an easygoing show for me. I just yep. have it on. I just. Did you see the Eddie Murphy one? Oh yeah, it was great. I did great. not see the Eddie Murphy one. Eddie Murphy's great. Yeah, no, he, like it was, it was really. I had, I hadn't realized how long it had been since I'd seen him, but like I love the way they shoot the show. It's very casual, and, it was, Will, and yeah. it was it was great to just see him. Chatting and relaxing. I saw Will Ferrell and at I the saw, Rose, and and um, yeah, at the Rose. That was great. And Mar- yeah. Martin, uh, uh, Steve Martin. Oh yeah, the Steve Martin one was good. I got to see that. Yeah. Love Steve Martin. Yeah, yeah, Steve Martin was Steve good. Martin was surprisingly just like not a it's comedian. Old. Well, yeah, no. and he tells a little he story. Said, about he that, tells which a story about it. he's like, I just stopped being a comedian. Yeah, including in this. He was such a big deal, man. Oh, my God. He's oh, great. I, I listen to uh, Let's Get Small like every single day of my God. life. When I was, oh, it just blew my mind. Let's get small. Yeah, man. All right. All right. Let's get to dreams. Dreams. Okay. So the Two idea, movies on dreams. So the idea here that I had is that uh, uh, we have talked about uh, Inception in the past. Mm-hmm. And one of the things when I first saw Inception was flashbacks, ironically. Mm-hmm. No, not ironically, coincidentally, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of another movie I saw in the 80s called Dreamscape. Dreamscape. Which was what year? That's 84. 84. 84, right. So uh, I was telling Thrawn that when I was a kid, I used to hang out at my uh, buddy's house all the time. Like we would go there all the time. And he had a whole bunch of movies, probably most of them illegally recorded mm-hmm. on uh, VHS or beta. I don't remember which one it was. Um, and we would basically like just pull out a movie and watch it and we'd watch them over and over and over again. Right. Mm-hmm. That was our, that was our equivalent of playing video games. Yeah, or sure. Whatever. Absolutely. That was just watching a bunch of movies. Yep. And two movies we got really into for a long time was, um, a dreamscape and a brainstorm. Yeah, definitely. Oh man. And they're very related. Yeah. I mean that, yeah, they, they, they are. Yeah. If, brainstorm. I don't think too many people have seen brainstorm. Brainstorm is a Douglas Trumbull film. Right. Wow. And, uh, and Douglas Trumbull was the special effects. Walken. Yeah. Christopher Walken. Natalie, um, Wood. Natalie Wood in her last, her last role. film. That's the one got him in trouble too. Yeah. That's the one that killed her. That's the one. Yeah. Because this is when uh, Walken and, uh, Natalie and, Wood. and Natalie Wood and Natalie Wood's husband, um, what's his name? Robert Wagner. Robert, Robert Wagner, Wagner were out on a boat and somehow she ended up off of the boat. Because they that fought that. over the alleged affair. Yes, on yes. The set. Yeah, and uh, and brainstorm was the was the uh, setting of that uh, crossover. Yes. But they and didn't finish it when no. she died. You know, they 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 did a they did a passable job at cutting a movie together that you can watch. Right. And it's uh it's it's worth seeing because it's a it's a really uh it's an it's a very experimental movie and it was originally going to be shown in I think what was it called Showscan. Is that the name Maybe, of it? Well, it was yeah. like 60 frames per second. Is that how you wanted to um, Right. And that's uh, a Doug this. Trumbull thing. Right. So actually, yeah, I know Doug Trumbull pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I communicate on email often. Hello, actually. Doug. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for anyone else who have, we haven't said it yet, Doug Trumbull was the special effects genius behind, say, 2001. 2001. Yeah. yeah and, Blade uh, Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah. <laughs> Close Encounters, I right. think, and stuff like this. So yeah, yeah even the Star Trek films. No, right? Star Trek. Yeah, I believe I believe those are all on his list. But certainly, two thousand one and two thousand one. I mean, he talks about yeah. his relationship with Kubrick on two thousand one really well, and no. that's obviously no. He's he says that is spectacular. Spectacular. He's like, he's like the Einstein of visual effects. Yes. Yeah. Um, but but he then he became director, and Brainstorm is actually one of his. 
big films. Right. It's a really good film. We should talk about it sometime. Yeah. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Dreamscape because specifically what Dreamscape is about, and I'm mm-hmm. going to give you a very quick synopsis because it's really not that heady a movie. <laughs> it is. It is not. It is not. <laughs> we talk about a lot of uh, fancy movies on this podcast. This is not a fancy movie. Right. This, this is a movie. This is a movie for uh, getting a little drunk on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And you want to see some uh, PG thirteen hearts get ripped out. Yes. <laughs> That's what Dreamscape is. Bad yeah, but Matt it had lines. Christopher Plummer. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, the cast is amazing. Max, Max von Sydow. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And and the big star is Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Right. So um, so basically. The story is it's a guy played by Dennis Quaid mm-hmm. who is a psychic, mm-hmm. right? He can have all these psychic abilities or whatever. Right. And, uh, and then they, they, he disappears and does – goes into population to just basically do petty theft. They yeah, sort of rip people off. Rip people off using his psychic abilities. Right. And bet on the ponies. Bet on the ponies, yeah. get girls in bed, that kind of stuff. Yeah, right? he's, he's, a, like, he's a loosey-goosey scumbag. Right. Loosey-goosey scumbag. But he gets recruited by Max – well, I don't remember the, the character's name in the movie. Yeah, anymore. Max Fonsetto. Right. Yeah. And he gets recruited to do some big research project, which is about uh, dreams, mm-hmm. right? Specifically, they have invented a machine that allows you – to go in to connect brainwaves with someone else that has dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's only the initiative, but using your psychic abilities. Mm-hmm. So Kate Capshaw. And Kate Capshaw, we must also say. Yes. Uh, and Miss now, Steven Spielberg. That's right. I'm married to Steven Spielberg. Right. Uh, oh, right. And uh, also from uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. That's By the right. way, the same poster design. If you look at the poster design, mm-hmm. it's the exact – it must be the same, same artist. Uh, is it a Drew Strazan? Uh, I, I didn't. I just saw a wide of it. I was like, wait a minute. That's the same kind of painting style. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's that guy. He, yeah. did a, he did a bunch of great stuff in the Framing yeah, is yeah, very close. Really, really nice. But yeah, no, Kate Capshaw, this is uh, – someone pointed out on the, on the internet that uh, this is the same – she is in two PG-13 movies in which hearts get ripped out, I think more or less in the same year. Wow! Really? <laughs> she is she is the uh, the hearts get ripped out. The hearts yeah. scream queen. Well, that's amazing. She's a heartthrob. She's she's. I like her in this movie. I like her a lot. I like her a lot. And better better in this movie than uh, uh, I like her in, um, yeah. in Indiana Jones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, agreed. You know. Agreed. Yeah. She's pretty funny in this thing. Yes. Pretty charming. So uh, the idea is you can go into someone's dreams, and this is a a, a research project done on a university, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, well, this is very interesting. You know, you can help someone psychologically get over the trauma that they're having of a dream right. if you can go into the dream and figure it out. Right? Shades of the beginning of Ghostbusters during the sequence, by the way, which is, I, I yes. think, the same year also. Really oh weird, God, you're right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the Ghostbusters. Or doing scene. the colors. Yeah, it, yes. yeah. Like in the in my, my favorite bit in Ghostbusters is when Bill Murray's, you know, hitting on the one of the. Can you the see women. behind the card? Oh, it's the guy. Can, can you see these? Can you see these? And then the She's other guy, he's, he's electrocuting the other guy. Who's and, getting it all right? And he holds up this one. And it's three wavy lines. And the guy goes, I don't know, a couple of wavy lines. And he goes. Just isn't your day, is it? <laughs> and then his anyway. gum comes out of his mouth. <laughs> you don't get a little tired of this. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> You're being paid, aren't you? I don't want the five dollars anymore. So, okay, a couple of wavy lines. Uh, anyway, so uh, basically, he, he did, they discover, and then there's a couple of establishing things where he figures out, like, okay, uh, you know, uh, he goes into a dream of some guy who's having problems, marital problems, right. 
Right. And, and then an actor that you've seen, but this, you know, but like by the way, some of the setup actor. scenes were like they look exactly like they were out of the TV show Heart to Heart. Yeah, oh, oh dude, my yeah, God, yeah. yes, like yeah. the same extras. It yeah, was yes. really like really. I, I don't know. I can't remember the uh, director's name. The heavies or the muscle guys. This, this, like, this guy specialized in making um, a pretty entertaining, extremely sloppy, badly made fun movies. And yes. like and like and this is what to me what Dreamscape is like, yeah this is not a quote good movie, no but it's a fun movie. <laughs> yeah, it it's very movie. watchable. It's, it's a super watchable. It's easy to digest. It, like it looks it looks about it's as like well a slice shit. of pizza. Yeah, it's like a slice. It's like a it's like a cold but recently microwaved <laughs> slice of pizza. Yeah, that is, it's like you know you're hungry in the morning. It's like yeah. you know what that slice of pizza. Yeah, I like, think I could eat that. That's really fucking tasty. Yeah, this is what cold I wanted pizza right is so good. It's so good. Yeah, and this is like cold pizza. This is cold and it's and like Sunday morning after after the party cold pizza. Like the from the get go, this movie looks like. You know, yeah, like a like a after school special level of heart uh, to heart. Uh, yeah, it's it's heart to heart. Or all Jimmy Rockford. Oh, it does. Like it's it is like it is a B minus production through and through. Right. But it has a it has a it is a bloody roast beef center, and it's it's just it's just scrumptious. It is. You're right. It's got a, it's got a good uh, it's got a good center to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the idea is like he learns about doing this, and uh, and you know one of the examples he goes through is this little puny little guy with this uh, wife that's kind of hot in a very skimpy outfit. Yeah, right. And, and they're like trying to figure out their marital problems and he's like something wrong with his dreams. Right, and the dream is like it's, it's, uh, it's pink lit a uh, uh, very wide-angle lens comic photography with yes. sort of like a uh, carnivalesque soundtrack playing with it. Yes. So it's like, I mean, it's it's about the level like you know, of a, like a laugh-in skit. Right. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty silly. But Dennis Quaid goes into the dream with him, right? And the guy's like, "We got to figure out what's going on." You go with my in the wife. back, and yeah, I'll you go, go in the, the back and go in front. He's like, you know, have you ever been married? It's like it's a lot of trouble. Yeah. And then basically, his dream is. Uh, he has this fear that everyone is sleeping with his wife. Right. His brother. His brother. So his he goes. Friends. He storms into his his bedroom, and his brother is having sex with his wife. And then there's like two other guys in her bed. Right. There's a priest there. Everyone like everyone's basically fucking his wife. Yeah. Right? And it's a bit. It's a big sticky kind of like. And they're like ah. Scene. And so then they analyze like yeah. Well, his impotence is that his he is insecure. Right. Well, I could have told you that yeah. just from the <laughs> yeah, beginning, yeah, right? Exactly. From the uh, from the uh, uh, dime store toupee. Right. So, uh, so the idea of game. this this right. whole research project, in a sense, right. for, based on that 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 setup, is that this is like a very elaborate scientific thing to basically bring you know figure out a psychological problem that someone has, right? Right. And then there's like one kid. It has night, chronic nightmares, and they right. have to figure it out. And, and, that, so the, and the kid is, you know, he's, uh, yeah, he's like straight out of the central casting, like sort of freckled he's face. From, yes, he looks like he's the the Got main kid. Cap from on. Eight is enough. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. And he's and like and the kid, like the kid. What's awesome is that I'm not sure who the kid is, but like he looks so His name bored. Is Jeffrey Epstein. Je- <laughs> it could be true. <laughs> could very well be true. Nothing suspicious. But the uh, he's uh, uh, he like he's he is. Looks so bored with having to play this role again. He's like, "Fuck, really? Another kid in a wheelchair? This is what it's, it's all I get." Right. <laughs> I hate my mom. Yes. Why did she make me go out for this casting? <laughs> exactly. Yes. That gets me out of school. I guess I'll take it. But yeah, it is. So uh, yeah. So basically, he he figures out like, oh, and there's a big scary monster that's in this kid's dream, and together with 
uh, uh, I was going to say Randy Quaid, but it's Dennis Quaid. Dennis. <laughs> That's right. uh, uh, they basically slay the monster in the dream together, right. and the kid is the, like, "I'm the, saved. You helped me kill my monster, slay right. my dragons." Right? And uh, right. and uh, his it has a couple of great lines in there. First of all, the monster is a giant snake man. Snake man, yeah. Right? It's snake. Who looks as in a special effect the Oh, the, it's fantastic! It's like it it's is, like it's it obviously is. done by someone who really, really loves Jason and the Argonauts, but that's right. It isn't really. It's really bad. Yeah, it's. Oh, really by the bad. way, I actually think if you look at some of those scenes where they're going into the lab, it seemed like it was the gymnasium for like UCLA or USC. Oh yeah, totally. So yeah. or some college. So maybe <laughs> exactly. like some kid in the arts program was like, I could do I'll take that on. Ray no House yeah, and yeah, stuff. Because it was like, wait a minute, I know that location. It's, or it's it, like the it's, basement it's, of the track. It's like, it was some trade-off like that. It was like for sandwiches. Or it's like, it's like they got the same guy who did the so effects bad. for like, um, you ever see? I think it's shot at about Four frames a second. Yeah, yeah. It's it, a, or four frames a minute. Like it's a, <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's, it's pretty, really yeah, like it's a low da, rate. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. And yeah. the, and the music kind of complements that. Yeah. And uh, so strange. And the music, you know, it, am I wrong? Is the music uh, Maurice Charest? It Jarre? is. Yeah, no, right? no, no. Yes, it is Maurice Jarre. And I was just like, yes. like what the yes. fuck is this guy doing this movie for? That's like, I mean, wow. Because he did, I believe. Let's say Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, Arabia and <laughs> exactly. did, like Doctor Zhivago. Zhivago and Dreamscape. <laughs> he also did, the money. Well, hold on. He also, he also did Mad Max Three. Oh yeah, Thunderdome. Uh, Thunderdome. Did yes. he do yeah. Blue? I'm not sure. Not Blue. A diva. A uh, diva. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yes. The yes. one with the motorcycle in the Paris Metro. Yeah, that's diva. That yes, that's diva. Wait, what? Maurice Did he do uh, Diva? The movie Diva. The uh, uh, they're not the, talking about Subway. No, Metro is called Metro. Metro, Metro, is Metro. no, yeah. which no, Diva is the different one. He's at by La Jenny, and, yeah. and which yes. is a great, which is also an awesome film. Yes, I haven't seen that in a long yeah. time. I wonder was, if it still holds up. I, I, I haven't like, seen it probably fifteen years. I I love that movie, yeah. but it's I love Betty stylish. Blue. Betty Blue. I know we've talked about Betty Blue. Oh. Oh. Have you seen it yet? No, I have not seen Betty Blue. I yeah. remember the look at the sparkle mm. in both of your eyes. Oh my greatest God. opening of ever any film. Yeah. Really? Better than Blue Velvet? That's yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. It, it's pretty good. It's okay. pretty good. But, uh, yes, so the, the kid fights the snake man, and uh, Dennis Quaid is terrified of the snake man, right? And, uh, and the kid oh, has right. one of my favorite lines when uh, they run to this uh, run in the living room and uh, in the dream, and the kid's father is there. He's like, Rrr. and he goes, that's my dad. But he won't help us. <laughs> yes, that's right. That, that's the psychological. By the way, guys, it angle. also has George Went. It has. It from does. Cheers, from George Cheers. Went, yes, you're right. And he's given it his his went all. He is doing. He is it. doing. It. He's and just reading like, off a cue card. He's like, and he's then the like, cheerleaders come out. Like <laughs> what? Okay. So went like went's assassinated. He, no, spoiler: he gets assassinated. Yeah. Um, uh, but he like like nobody is, reacts to that. Like in the middle right of a group there. of cheerleaders, and <laughs> so he gets fantastic. off. Yes, yeah. he, like that 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 sequence. I think that needs to be seen back to back as its own mini movie with uh, Cliff's uh, exploding head from Outland. Like, cause nice. I, <laughs> like that's the '80s double yes. feature of what were they doing outside of the bar? Yeah. They were making these yes. fantastic. Fucking We've already movies. recorded Outland, so yeah. hope, it's, this will probably first. come out after. Yeah, yes. I think so. Anyway, all right. But important part of this mm-hmm. is that there's the big snake man thing, big snake right? man, and then they solve the kids thing, and there is another psychic. Oh yeah, Billy Ray. Billy Ray. Billy Ray. Another psychic. That is also part of this experiment. Right. But he's like evil psychic. Oh, is yeah. he the bad Cocky guy evil in um, uh, Stripes? I think he is. is he, it may, no, is he Francis, Francis in Stripes, that guy? Yes. 
He might be. I hadn't I thought about that. I think he was that. Francis. Someone look it up. Lighten up, Francis. Yeah, okay, oh. Hatchat. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what kind of soldier you make. <laughs> okay, okay yeah, I, Hatchat. I know for sure that he is uh, in The Warriors. Yes. Uh, and he's the, cl- the classic line with the clicking the bottles together saying, Warriors, come, come out, out to, to play. play. Yeah, that's him. And he's also a fantastic bad guy in Stakeout with uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, with um, uh, Richard Dreyfus. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Emilio but Estevez. But isn't yeah. he also in – he wasn't in – no, he wasn't. But In Breaking Away. But he might have been in Breaking Away. The thing about this and guy Quaid, – Quaid's in Breaking Away. And the director directed the Breaking Away TV show. So there's a Breaking Away connection. The thing about this character is that, like, he is unmistakably a bad guy. There is no – Oh, question. yeah. There's no – you can't he's like so – he's not going to be the edgy. romantic hero of any movie. Not no, this guy. There's not like, mm, maybe he's going to be good. He's in so man. edgy. Like, yeah. He's he like – he's like – Asshole. Yeah, he's cocky. like bad guy in Streets of Fire style. You know, this is like he's like he has the 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 angular face, the right. uh, the Kubrickian eyes. You know, yeah. like everything. And he's awesome. Like I love this actor. I'm not yeah. sure what the actor's name is, but he's absolutely fucking tremendous. And he like the moment he shows up on screen, like that's that's when the movie really comes alive for me because yeah. now you can feel you can feel like the, the but that the first scene is is on the on the, the hamburger che- the cheese is nice and warm <laughs> yeah, and gooey it's, on it's the table coming, it's coming your way man but that first scene where he meets Rand, uh, Dennis Quaid oh, yeah. it was kind of like Dennis Quaid is getting out of the shower yeah. and he's like challenging it was like okay yeah it's it's strange it's he's strange just walk into a pestilence like, how do you want to stage this I don't know maybe you walk in on him in the shower yeah cool yeah. let's film he's it in the shower drying himself off and yeah. I'll just come in and say hey and just like hang out <laughs> yeah. hang out because I'm the bad guy because <laughs> I'm the bad guy I want to see how this works out I want to see you naked movie. and make you feel vulnerable yeah exactly yeah. I think that's it I think that's accurate yeah um, but yeah so we, we, we meet Billy Ray Billy Ray shaky dangerous looking person obviously the kind of person that you want to hire to get right. in someone else's head right and so he sees uh, uh dennis, dennis quaid, quaid drawing a picture of the snake man mm-hmm. and he was saying it's like what's that and he goes well it's, it's from this kid's dream it's a super shitty animation that i saw <laughs> it's like a super crappy stop motion animation i saw at about four frames a second but luckily it was so slow that i could actually see what the person looked like and i could draw this picture of him uh but anyway he's like oh yeah well this guy really fast like yeah he was really scary and it's like oh right and anyway so he crumples up the piece of paper and throws it away but then the bad guy looks at it and like Commits it to his memory. Commits it to his memory. That's right. right? He, rem- he puts it in his bad guy brain. All this right. guy hates snake men. Now skip ahead. Mm-hmm. Subplot bad of this, brain. or or actually main plot, but we, is the president of the United States. Yeah, that mm-hmm. totally works for me. I, is, I get those parallels. Yeah. Like, it totally works. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and the president of the United States, uh, who is, is Edward Albert. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Eddie Albert uh, from, um, what is it? Uh, what's the TV show he was on? He was on uh, the is it not Partridge Family. He was on uh, anyway. He was Happy Days. No, no, but anyway, he's 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 a classic TV actor. Yep, and uh, and he's has having- nightmares. Oh, about nuclear war. About nucle- 1984. Keep right. in mind the date of this right. movie. And this, this is a part of the movie that, to me, feels an awful lot like an excellent, excellent movie around the same time, mm-hmm. uh, the year before. The Dead Zone by David Cronenberg. Yes. With Christopher Walken. Yes. Uh, where uh, you have Martin Sheen as the, uh, as the crazy president who dreams of nuclear war. This is the right. good guy president who dreams of nuclear war. Right. So he's dreaming about nuclear war and is keeping him up at night. Mm-hmm. Like his wife has died. He feels like he's, he's – he's, 
responsible for the world's good or whatever is going right. on in its head. And, right? and the, the nuclear war sequences are fucking amazing. They are amazing. And that doesn't mean they're good. No, they're And it doesn't mean the special effects are any good. Yes. But they imagine, are imagine, so – Imagine the nuclear war sequence from Terminator 2 done at a budget of like – High school. 25 cents. Yeah. It's like I think this. they took heat lamps that they use in, in to heat fries at yeah, a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And they That's just – about right. <laughs> Like this, this is this is a lot, little, of, a lot of a lot of a lot of cheap rotoscoping, uh, a lot of uh, right. uh, a lot of red red uh, oh red red lights. So terrible. Bad miniatures. It's magnificent. Bad 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 uh, uh, airbrushy uh, explosions. Airbrush. Oh, Everything is gorgeous. It's amazing. It so, all looks like a, a mid eighties uh, throwaway band album cover. Everything. Yes. It's absolutely fantastic. So so he's having nightmares about this stuff and. Uh, Turns out that one of the big uh, funders to this uh, research project mm-hmm. is the government. Right, right. Run by Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, Dick Cheney. Yes. Dick. <laughs> I. E. Who, Dick. Is, who is almost explicitly Dick Cheney in this movie. Actually, you're right. It's really weird. It is. He is Dick Cheney. He is yeah. Dick Very Cheney much Dick Cheney. And like, because they, like, they talk about him. He's been you know, fucking hanging around the White House trying to manipulate things for years, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. It is. It is. It is a hundred percent Dick Cheney. Yep. Yep. So, turns out that Chris Plummer's plot for why he was interested in this research mm-hmm. is that he figured that people can go into people's dreams and uh, hires the bad psychic, right, to test his theory of actually killing someone in their if you dreams. If kill someone in their, uh, they, in their nightmare, then they will they die will in real life. They will actually die in real life, which right. is the old wives' tale. Yes, and that's like, right. Yep, turns out it's true yeah. because it's a stupid movie. Yeah, that's right. right. And so the, the plan is because Christopher Plummer wants to make sure the United States has a strong nuclear defense. And here's uh, uh, Eddie Albert uh, from Partridge Family. Let's say Partridge Family. I'm, I'm not even sure if No, I don't think he was Partridge Family. Uh, yeah, uh, he's, he, he's, he's thinking about dismantling uh, nuclear weapons because he's so afraid of the dreams that he's having. Right. And so Christopher Plummer uh, gets the dude from um, – uh, uh, Max von Sydow. It's uh, it to to give him the evil psychic, so he can assassinate the president. That's basically the point. in his dreams. In his dreams, right? Yes. And so he's going to kill the president so, to stop him from. So, um, so Christopher Plummer's plan is like, I'm going to help solve your dream problems. You have to come to my research center because we're studying dreams, right? But really, what he's going to do is going to get the evil psychic to assassinate the president in his dreams. Right, right. So that's that the, is literally the plot. That's that's the kind of movie this is. Yeah. And if you if you don't like a steak and cheese sandwich, don't eat it. Right. <laughs> because this is a steak and cheese sandwich. But <laughs> so the way they do this is they discover that they have the ability because they've been trained on the system where you have your brain waves synced up. Mm-hmm. But if you've done it for long enough, you can do it without it. So you ne- just basically need to be close to the person. Right. This is sort of like that. Yeah, exactly. Like but you, you get to see it when he he basically imagines himself having sex with Kate Capshaw. In mean, right. the rapiest portion of the film. L- yeah. There's a very – yeah. <laughs> like basically – Sort of semi-consensual sort of – Sleep. She was asleep. That's she not was right. She wanted to have sex with him in real life, but you know, the girl has. Said I think no. she did. Actually, yeah. well, they, they discuss it. Yes, they do. It. There's a scene. She was pretty cool it. about it in the stairwell, talking about it. Yeah, she's like, like, you know, I did want to have sex with you. I just didn't want to have sex with you. Immediately. That means he still has a chance. <laughs> yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry. Basically, the plot of it is that she she's asleep on her couch uh, 
you know, and then he walks in to talk to her, but he finds her asleep. And so he <laughs> sits syncs up with her cycle. So, so he breaks into her brain, breaks into her dream and, <laughs> and she has finds her, her on the, on the, on the train. And they have the most like Harlequin novel. Oh man. It's like, there's so much Vaseline on the lens. It's yeah. like, it looks, it looks out of, it looks like there's camera trouble. It's yes. amazing. It looks, yeah. uh, it's like, <laughs> and he gets on the train with her and she like, they're like, like, Oh, we're, this cabin together and right. basically just the sex hot. in the dream is consensual right it, it is consensual yes and but she d- wakes previous up. to having the sex in the dream he said we should have sex and she said i no. don't think that we are going to have sex and then he's like i'm gonna prove you wrong <laughs> and then they have sex in the dream right which is she's not- cool with it in the dream because it's a dream right and then she wakes up and realizes oh no he actually got into my dream just yes. to have sex with me She's upset about it. She's upset about yeah. it. It's like, yeah, but we both wanted it. And then she go, and then, and then, like, they get on this big tassel about it. And she goes, You realize that we actually connected in the dream without me being connected to the machine. Right. And she goes, Oh, and that's the revelation, <laughs> which so, is actually a pretty good way to do it's, it. No, it's, a, it's a, like plot wise, it was plot wise, it's yeah, really good. It's very, it's very clever bit of screenwriting to sort of yes. hand it off that way. That was, yes. So that was all right. So now you know that they can actually connect. Right. And you know that he's sort of a really creepy scumbag, but that doesn't come up later. So it's okay. a creepy scumbag in this movie. It's the 80s. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's that's strange how they. It's like they're always like, Yeah. That was the strange thing. It was because he wanted to help that young child, but meanwhile, you know, he's at the track ripping off some old grifters. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> What? <laughs> right. Like, we can yeah, help a, this child. Well, I said, really I righteous guys, about helping the kid. That's I mean, right. again, that's, that's again, 1984. This movie, right? Yeah. But <laughs> I sent you guys a still, like as I was watching it, right? Which was which basically I there's a scene that. where he's in the bar and he's meeting uh, George Went. I, I mm-hmm. was there, yeah. right? And they're like, they're like, let's get a drink or whatever. And the shot is this barmaid wearing a tight shirt. Uh, uh-huh. And she's holding like a big, uh, you know, pitcher of beer, and she goes right in front of the camera, and the camera just focuses on her breasts <laughs> and a, a jug of beer. That's it. That's the, and it's like just that's pans pans with her breasts and beer, breasts and beer. Like, oh my god! Yeah, the movie, the movie, nineteen eighty. That's 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 where we're at. Yep. That's where we're at. That's so, yeah. it. Like I said, this is the kind of movie that it is, and you have to just sort of go into it. It's funny with a smile. It's funny. <laughs> anyway, that's how it goes. Yep. So, so, so now we have this establishment. So the president is at the research center, <laughs> trying to, uh, uh, you know, deal with his uh, problems. Right. It's unbelievable. And it's like, just first of all, is the president of the United States, and he's at a college. Dorm. Oh, it's so good. It's college yeah. dorm room. Yeah, it's so fantastic. So strange. Sleeping. Yeah, just chilling now. He's just and like, it oh. happens that the guy right next to him is a psychic. Yeah. Like somehow you would think that the Secret Service would clear any room around him. But no. No need I w- to. Or maybe you'd fly the crew to the president instead. You'd say, let's go do this at a secure Air Force base. <laughs> or something. <laughs> no, he's at a university. Yeah. Right? It's like a Pepperdine. <laughs> it's like a Pepperdine, right? And so the the dorm room, literally yeah. a dorm room right next to the president right. is the evil psychic who's like, all right, I'm going to connect with him. And they've sedated the – oh, which is another point because it connects back to the second movie we're going to talk about, which mm-hmm. is Inception. Mm-hmm. But they've sedated this, the president, so mm-hmm. he's like – Heavily, uh, you know, in sleep, right? And then they uh, they try to connect to the president. See, Christopher Nolan watched that movie just to know what not to do. <laughs> it's pretty great, right? It's so good. Like, as, as I, I like to refer to Inception as 
highfalutin dreamscape. <laughs> it is, yeah. But you love that movie. I, oh, I love Inception. I will say plenty I, of good things about Inception. I know, I know. We're going to get to that. We're yeah. going to get that. We're only we're 44 minutes in. we got to right. get through this this yeah. dreamscape one because it's an important prerequisite yes. to yes, Inception. Yes, absolutely. Right? So the, the, the evil psychic is next door to the, uh, uh, to the, uh, the president, and he connects to his dream. But uh, uh, Dennis Quaid has figured this out, and so he goes to – the girl's office, which is right below the president. So oh. strange. Yeah, of so, course. So, of course it is. And he's like trying to connect to the ceiling to make sure he's close enough that he can make the connection to right. the president. Right. right. That's it. And so they're both in the dream. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much the story is that uh, he's trying to protect the president. He mm-hmm. can't wake the president up because he's been sedated. Right. Yeah, right. but so what's, like, well, his, just, what's his reasoning for trying to save the president? Because he realizes that the evil psychic – Who looks evil. Who looks evil. Is evil. Is trying to assassinate <laughs> him by killing the president in his dream. Because he knows that he successfully killed the uh, the woman. He killed a woman in killed her woman, dreams. Yeah, gave her a heart attack. Killed Basically, him. if he kills the woman in her dreams, she has a heart attack and dies. Right. Right. And so he knew, says, if I kill this, I'm going to kill the president so that he doesn't uh, you know, dismantle our, our nuclear armament during right. the Geneva Convention or whatever right. the hell it is, right? So that's the whole thing. Right. So basically the thing is now basically it's the president and Dennis Quaid running around a post-apocalyptic dream of oh, the president. This is where the movie – Really sick. It's so good. Yeah. It's like a sex club from 1983 <laughs> in downtown exactly. called like Fist. I mean, it literally was like all red and it was like, what? Yeah. It was totally like a lower downtown sex club early oh, 80s. It's, it's, it's such a middle. It was like Pacino and cruising. It is. It is. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this is so bad. <laughs> exactly. They, they went so to freaking and you're like, did you he know, still have all those lights? You know, every now and then, <laughs> Let's you know, do this. remember like when we started this, I talked about how I was really into this movie when I saw mm-hmm. it. And this was probably around you guys make fun you guys make fun of me about like Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I will never make fun of you. About I will fun about not that make fun of you about that movie. That made me, that made me cry to talk about it. so much. No. And it was just like, wait a minute. And then you recommend this. I was watching it like, holy love of God. Yeah. I was like, just <laughs> like, the matte lines on that is, woman running. This is I was like, like, this is, listen, oh God, I saw dude. this movie when I was like 12 or 13. It is a, right? That is the perfect zone. That is the perfect zone where you're taking this seriously. You're very forgiving about special effects. Like the soft focus sort of weird train sex scene is just like – Oh I my think God, the, the thing that thing was interesting to me was parents. the idea of like going into your dreams. Oh, it's great. It's right? Conce- that concept, is, fantastic. Conceptually speaking, that's yeah. a very important, interesting thing. Yeah. I'm absolutely. just busting your balls. I know. I know it's, you are. It is, this is a beautiful – I know a, you are. And first of all, by the way, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot is a fantastic film. Yeah, of that, course that, it is. That's a but this topic. also, guys, is post-Blade Runner by what? A year? Yeah, uh, two years. Yeah, and it's like when you see that, it's just such a game changer oh, yeah. when you go to the theater. Like Blade Runner, which today still looks completely real in many shots. Oh, my God. And man. then you follow <laughs> with Dreamscape, which at the time – I think they just had budget. Like, you know, I think that it's, they it's, put it's, the money in Plumber and yeah. Inside Out. Oh, without a doubt. And, and, they then, get the, and they get the money out of them too. Like they are both still doing their jobs correctly. Like they're, they're, yeah. not, they're, not, ham- they're not hammering it up. They're, doing, they're delivering. And like – but this – like I say, production value-wise – this is about the same as uh, – what's the George Pappard post-apocalyptic movie from like 1979 with the giant cockroaches? Da- uh, Damnation Alley. 
Okay. It's about the level of Damnation Alley. Okay. It's like a slightly fancy Damnation Alley. And if you haven't seen Damnation Alley, we're going to be covering that one on the podcast too. <laughs> okay. I have not, so we no. will. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway. It's some trashy business. So short story is basically it ends with uh, uh, the evil psychic uh, uh, encapsulating the fear of uh, Dennis Quaid by the, doing this, becoming, snake man. The, becoming the snake man. Yeah. The and evil then, snake man. He, Dennis Quaid didn't even know how, how frightened he would be of uh, a snake man right. until he uh, went to the kid's dream. And then that became the thing that almost undid him. Right. And then he's a cocky bastard up until Snake Man. Right. And then suddenly the Snake Man appears. Oh no, it's a Snake Man. But then they, they, they end up killing the Snake Man. And, uh, and, and they, and they, uh, and uh, specifically the President of the United States, uh, runs a pipe through Snake Man's heart. Right. Uh, because Dennis Quaid has learned the ability to transform into, um, uh, Sna- evil Snake Man's actual father, who Evil Snake Man killed in real life, right? And uh, says, "Why'd you do it to me, Billy Ray?" And then, oh, because he looked at the file. He looked the at the file and realized that that the the evil psychic evil sna- yeah actually killed his own father. Yeah, he killed his own father, right. and out of horrible guilt, he transforms slightly back to human. So he's like part Snake Man, part sad little kid guy, and then uh, Eddie Albert runs him through with a pipe. Right. It's it's pathetic. It's good So they kill it. Daddy. At which point, as we know, if you kill someone in their dreams, they die. At which point, evil psychic dies in his bed of a heart attack. Does not stay stay a snake man. I can't say. Stay uh, a snake man. And, you know, it's blah, 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 blah. Christopher Plummer gets busted. Everything goes, you know. er, Now we're looking at the traditional Hollywood ending. Yep. And uh, they end up on a train. Yep. And, and maybe it's a dream. <gasps> maybe it's a dream. Credits. <laughs> Credits. Yeah, this thing is – it's trash. It's trash, but it's great trash. Like that is that is tight, fun, well-paced out nonsense. Yep. And I really I, – I had seen this uh, about a year ago and I was shocked at how much I enjoyed it. And I watched it again. Uh, Have you seen it? When was the first time? The first time I saw it was when it basically when it came out. I don't okay, know if I saw around it. Around eighty four, right? Yeah, I was thirteen. I think I, I think I may have seen this in the theater. Right. Um, and uh, and it really made an impression on me then. Um, my uh, yeah, because the idea of going into your dreams is yeah, always conceptually weird. this thing is an A plus. It's right. just great. It's one of the, it's one of the great like idea movies of all time. And you like there are movies like this that are just like they're basically cruddy. But they really, really make a mark. Like the idea is so good that it doesn't matter that the movie is, you know, basically right. cable garbage. So, I like I said, I had a real impression because we watched. We might have watched this movie like six or seven times oh, at yeah. least. I, I and it was definitely back watched to back on, with dream uh, with 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 brainstorm. Right. Yeah, so we this, would watch these back to back. Yeah, all but the time. both both of those are married to the uh, uh, the old HBO theme for me. Da 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 of a special time in the 80s where they were just uh indie films were there was like there weren't indie films 
Like there were there were indie films like uh, John Sayles was making like classically indie films and stuff oh like that. Oh my god! Yeah, he's incredible. Secaucus. Yeah, yeah Secaucus Seven, uh, uh, Brother from Another Planet, uh, um, uh, Mate One, which is Ma- now oh um, my Mate god, amazing. and so like like there's definitely yeah, like that's... traditional indie films being made, but much less like there was. They also that... put on Hal uh, um, Hartley. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's he right. He was yeah. New York yeah. based. Yeah. That's and right. He did some cool. Oh yeah, and also uh, you know Abel Ferrara and uh, and like the, just awesome stuff that was coming out, but largely like this level of movie. Uh, Somebody like, said to me once in the early '90s, I worked in film. Like Sheely, you get mad like a like a, the protagonist in a Hartley film. <laughs> I, was wow. like, I was like, okay, that's a very specific comment. I know. That <laughs> like, okay. like the the they they don't really make movies like this now in the indie zone. Like this is like. Uh, sort of big idea, no money movies that were, there are a lot of these in the right. 80s, like hardware and stuff like that, where you're just oh, like, yeah. you know, like really, really like intense, weird films. And one of them, one of the biggest successes, the, the Terminator, which is also yes. around the same budgetary level and came yeah. out the same year. Yeah. You but know. then even the pros were doing stuff like After Hours, Scorsese. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were still doing weird because that was coming in. Yeah, exactly. There was, there was, that was the flavor. That was the flavor that was being served up. It's like, let's do I some think Tim shit. Burton was going to do After Hours. Oh, really? That's what I heard. I and then when that. I think he heard that Scorsese was up for it, that's he, a said, great he one, said, boy. just let him do it. Just let him. That's, a, that's a good movie. I like that movie a lot. Griffin Dunn. Another Griffin Dunn classic. Yeah, uh, Griffin Dunn. We've talked about before on the podcast because his sister was the daughter in Poltergeist. Right. Yes. The uh, the sixteen uh, year old. And then she was we killed. Did and talk she was, about yeah, which I did not was, know. Was killed. Um, and Griffin Dunn is also the um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the uh, the dead friend in um, American Werewolf in London. Love that. But yeah, like there's like that was the this was the zone for that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, and I. Oh, like at the time, I was like reading things like I missed like thirteen years old, fourteen years old. And I was like reading a lot of heavy metal and you know like really crazy graphic, you know, I, wild idea um, material. A lot right. of it pretty nasty and sexist, also. But like, there's but the the some of the concepts that were being thrown around were just out of this world and like really brain changing for me as I was growing like up. Grand Xerox. Oh yeah, Rangsrox. Yeah, absolutely, Rangsrox. At least that you know, those paintings, the cover paintings for that is just incredible. Tiny little glasses, freaked out hair. I have the first one. You have the first Rangsrox? Yeah, somebody oh, gave God. it to me when I worked in a gallery. I was like, oh, this is great, and I just still have it in my bookshelf. Uh, if anyone wants to look at it, Google that right now, uh, podcast listeners, Rangsrox, and also uh, uh, Phil Hale, a great painter who is yes, in yeah, great. I know uh, Phil Hale. You know Phil Hale. Jesus Christ, he's one of my favorite painters of all time. How do you know time. him, Chris? Uh, he goes to THU. I actually, he was on my podcast. Oh, my God. Phil Hale is – I have copied every Phil Hale painting. I love yeah, Phil Yeah, he's Hale. been on my podcast. Oh, you man, should oh, listen man. to that episode. I will listen to that episode. CG Garage, Phil Jeepers Hale. Jeepers Creepers. He's one of the all-time greats. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah, he's really – well, he's very – he's very uh, – basically, it was a whole thing about art and, and, and CG and everything. And mm-hmm. he was like – Fuck CG, fuck computers. There's no Control Z. Right, 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 right. And anyway, you should. No, I've, I've watched. I've watched videos of him painting. I've like a mesmerized. Oh by yeah, his yeah. Life. He's a T, he's a big Thu guy. Oh, that's great. Oh man, I, I, I've actually that. hung out with him and had drinks with him. And oh, it's incredible. Yeah, feel well. I'm listening to that one. And what was the uh, podcast you're talking about? CG Garage. Oh yes, that's quite excellent. You've been the host of for many uh, years now. How many years uh, has it been, Chris? Five, uh, yeah, 
came yeah, five out in five years. Yeah, five years. Look it up. I'm just going to look it up while you guys talk. Phil right. Hale. Phil Hale, yeah, very influential Phil on me. And uh, definitely Hale. that entire style of uh, art and that sort of like that mix. Like, I think what that is, and I think you'll agree with me, Eric, is like there's sort of a crash of like sci fi and episode Reed and like all this like New York artistry and and pop culture stuff like heaping up on itself in the 80s in this yeah. really really electric way you know and there you get go. movies oh there, there you go nice. Phil Hale episode 195 I'm doing it send uh, that to me technology so. uh, technology panel at THU oh, and so yeah. there's uh, there's uh, Alex Alvarez oh, yeah, uh, yeah. oh shit who was the other guy oh crap no, I'm number, uh, anyway that's Phil right there that's Phil fuck Hale. yeah dude uh, nice. that's Peter Muta my boss uh, and who else is on there? Uh, shit. Oh, and uh, Dylan Colt. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's nice, good. nice. Jeepers yeah. Creepers. Good crew. Very good crew. Yep. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's a, like, there's a, that, that, that represented a real special he's, time. He's like, he did, like, presidential portraits. He's incredible. He's one of these, yeah. easily in top five painters in my entire life. Like, I, I have Stone Cold ripped off his stuff for many, many years. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great, next great time, stuff. actually, next time he's at THU, I'm actually going to do a, like a, just a one-on-one with him. Oh man, yes. Well, please say hi, and I should never be in the same room because I'd be sweaty and I'd I'd say something awkward. <laughs> Guaranteed. He's, he's well. What's what interesting about what big Phil is that he is he is aggressively against computers. Yeah, which was awesome. Which is which great. is totally cool. Yeah. And and he was like, I don't want to be controversial, but. Fuck you guys! I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he's uh, he's really cool. But, well, first of all, his his talent is unsurpassed. Yeah, but, fucking unsurpassed. You know like, when and, and so anyway. All right, I'll well, listen to it. God damn it! Fine. Where does he live? Uh, London, I think. Yeah, I think he's in the UK. That's the uh, that's the limit of the restraining order on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that yeah. goes. Uh, anyway, uh, so. Uh, blah, 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 moving on. So the idea was, okay, so now that we've established this film that I knew from my childhood of 1984 and the idea of going to dreams, then suddenly uh, Inception comes along. What year did it come out? Uh, 2010? Like, yeah, let's say 2010. 2010-ish. 2010 2008? 2010. Let's go for we should, it. Love we it. should know the exact date, but we don't. We were a little lazy. We were a little lazy. It's 2010. So forgive us. Yeah. Anyway, it is definitely a Chris Nolan film. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100% Chris Nolan. And uh, the concept is not dissimilar from Dream. And, and it's exactly the same. It's almost, ex- <laughs> it's almost exactly the same. Minus the snake, man. It's, uh, it's pretty much the There's same. There's a way. lot of similarities between this. Right? Right. So I will tell you this. And I watched, like I said before we recorded when, I was, you, know, when you walked in the door, like I actually watched the movie a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Just to really digest it because I didn't want to do what I did before where basically Scr- – Scratch I'll, it? I'll tell you this. I didn't actually like – I didn't like uh, Inception that much when I saw it. Right. And there's several reasons. And I'm going to go through them right off the bat. Let's First of all is um, not dissimilar from our podcast we did about uh, uh, what's pot time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Popular movie, very popular movie. Inception very pop- was yep. very popular, hugely popular, hugely popular. Yep. a lot of people got it wrong. <laughs> I agree, right? I wholeheartedly agree. Okay, wholeheartedly. 
Uh, but it didn't matter right. to them. Right. So, first of all, they didn't even understand the word inception. And for years, mm -hmm. to them, the word inception meant something within something. Yes, right. Which is not what I mean, inception it, means. It's like to wake up in the dream or is to, to switch. No, a dream the, within a dream. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's not what inception means. Right. No, there was right. – but the real inception is to wake somebody up in a dream or to no, convert them. No, no, to no, insert an idea into In their brain mind. while they're asleep, yes. yes. Like the, 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 the origin of okay. a concept is the inception of an idea. So inception is the idea that you can give someone an idea by going into their subconscious and giving them the idea that you want right. them to have. It's, it's the, it's That's what inception is. Right. But what everyone thought mm -hmm. was to be something within something. Was the, yeah, was the uh, sort of the Russian dullness of it of is it, what yeah. they thought that meant. And that's not what so it's referring to. I basically said that inception is a dumb movie. Mm-hmm which I still believe in a little way it is. <laughs> right, okay. That dumb people think is a smart movie. <laughs> right. Certainly, like, people right? Like people get – there's a certain brand of, uh, uh, of, of nerd, you know, and I'm, I'm sure. a giant nerd myself, that, uh, like, there's, a, there's, there's certain kinds of filmmakers. And I think you're right because, like, Tarantino is one of these filmmakers also. Like, they, it, it they engenders a certain kind of irritating fanaticism that just – rubs rubs me raw and i think rubs you raw as well yes. where it's just like where they they have this like the, that it's somehow what, what the way in which they're interpreting what these artists are doing somehow validates their worldview or like their kind of like m you know um macho nerdism or something like right. this and it and it's really fucking irritating <laughs> like so, it's really really draggy so the problem is like inception could have been a really beautiful art piece, at which mm -hmm. point um, – How? Well, I'll tell you exactly how. If Inception was done in the same way – and th th I was trying to like, what would I have liked this movie to be done as, right? Because sure. right. we talked about it on uh, on Once Upon a Time on Hollywood. Is like I wish it was a Scorsese version of this movie, right? Right, right, right. right. To me, I wish it was uh, – uh, 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 what's the – I'm not, uh, um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, God. One of my all-time favorites. It's so beautiful. Incredible right? picture. Incredible so imagine picture. that uh, sure. Inception done in that style. Right. Then it would have been – but the problem is the reason Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is not necessarily a popular movie because it's too emotionally complex. Right. Yeah, like it's yeah, like just not to go off on a tangent with that, but like that is a – Eternal Sunshine is, is – uh, is though it's a very funny movie, it is a very depressing movie. Yeah. What's the movie he did after that? Her? With, no, 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 the no. guy from Itu e Mama to the end. No, that's not the same guy. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, which one? You're it's a French director. Uh, yeah, no, it's yeah, it's uh, the guy who he did Science of Sleep and he Science of Sleep. Yeah, Science that was uh, Michelle Gansberg. Mama Tambien was that's Quarren. No, the 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 lead actor in it. Oh. Was in uh, the Signs of Sleep. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, the lead actor right. in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. No, the lead no, actor in Itu uh, Mama Tambien was in, in Signs of Sleep. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm, all, case, I'm all confused. Yeah. No. Because uh, that's uh, yeah, a great it's, movie. Uh, Michelle Gondry is the director Michelle of, uh, of Signs of Sleep and um, 
Um, uh, also did some fantastic music videos. Yeah, he's an incredibly creative guy. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so the, that uh, the Eternal Sunshine is a is a brilliant and beautiful and like I don't think it's like I don't think it's necessarily. It, like it's an intellectual movie, but it's basically a very complex movie about very very tough feelings. But um, it's also about going into your brain and subconscious. Yes. Yeah. So that's the thing that 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 Inception does, but it does it as an action film. Yes, as an action heist movie, right? As an action heist film, right? Which is engaging. Yeah. And I like action heist films. Yes. There's some set pieces in this movie that are oh my God. fantastic. They're the same as, as The Dark Knight. Really, yeah. 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 Really, there's a lot of good. Like, that's, that's as good Again, as big I'm, budget I'm gonna, movie I'm, making I'm criticize. I'm yeah. going to criticize Inception a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm also going to say this is a really well done movie. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Not only is it well done, but I thought about when I was watching it, Chris. Have you seen it before? No. I was watching it. You've never seen it before no. we talked about it. No. Okay. That's very exciting. I'm, almost everyone I know has seen that movie. I love when people have not seen something I know. Like this. I, I actually thought about it. It's like, I don't think. What was, your, is... what was your first blush in this movie? What's, the, what's the, the, the compact view? I felt like if you blink, you, you lost track. Yeah. You, it, right. you really had to pay attention. And yeah. so if you sit there and look at the set pieces or feel immersed in the world. Or you lost one dialogue you're fucked right and then you play catch up and then you're like fuck it i'm not playing catch up yeah and you just watch it for the set pieces and then it ends right so well then then i would say like and maybe you've had this experience chris like i like i liked it a lot when i first saw it like that's when this is one of these movies that i like it much much more every time i see it yeah because like it like i have to think less about trying to make it make sense in my mind yeah Yeah. and i I just like oh this is beautiful that's a great scene i love this bit you know all that kind of stuff and it just it's just great Entertainment, high, like high-end entertainment cinema, and in, and ultimately, I think a hugely emotional movie. Like, the, like I can get to the emotion better now than I could when I first saw it. And I think but that's my favorite part. Of it. I think what I was, um, I also think, by the way, after seeing it many times, uh, without the Hans Zimmer soundtrack, oh, the movie would integral. be like forty-five percent less. Oh yeah, no, I think that uh, that uh, that Nolan would probably agree with you on that. Like that's yeah. absolutely the soundtrack. Absolutely, hand in hand with like that's a, one of the main performers of the film is, is the soundtrack. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant soundtrack. As much as it's made fun of now, like for the blah, blah, blah stuff, like, but it's, it's insanely important. effective. It's very man important. does that work. Sorry, go ahead, Eric. Um, I just felt like did you pick up that one of the characters' names was Eames? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I feel yeah, like good. there was an architect's perspective of something, the way those cities were yeah, when right, you're walking sure. around and the building, the house between the bigger buildings, there was something. All the places they trained like a in genre are very, of, very yeah. You know, I have this old book. It's small, medium, large, extra large. Mm. Uh, yeah, Bruce Smell Ma- Excel. Yep. Small, yeah, and it's, uh, it Smell Excel. it's Bruce Mao. Bruce Mao. Yep, and I met Bruce Mao. What's his name? I used to work for him. Uh, Her name. Uh, yes. Uh, that is uh, Keely. Yes. Koku. She used to work for Bruce Mao. And uh, so Bruce Mao was a visiting professor at Rice. So I met him at Rice. He's a very interesting guy, graphic designer. Oh, I, uh, yeah. He wrote that book with uh, – uh, uh, John Neville? Uh, no. Um, oh, crap. Uh, uh, crap. Uh, I know who you're saying. C- uh, com- mm, I'm name-blanking. Uh, uh, Stanley – uh, Stanley, uh, not Kubrick, but anyway, another the, the, the co-author yes. of Smell yes. Excel. We used to call it Smell Excel. It That's was a good, big, very like popular. Yeah. SML Excel. There was something about it that was just like 
the way they set up the buildings is like a character. Stanford yeah. Quinter. Stanford. That's a great name. Stanford wow. Quinter. That sounds like a name from like a uh, – God, I don't even know what that – like that's like – it's a really good name. That's a, yeah, exactly. Like that, that's that's like that's like a classic American novel name right there. Yeah, that's 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 insane. Um, Stanford Quinter and Bruce Mao wrote <laughs> SMLXL, yeah. which we called SmellXL. SmellXL. No, I agree with you. It, it is a it's a highly architectural movie in a lot of ways. I will give you one better. Mm-hmm. I will give you one better, mm-hmm. Eric. There is a, a a scene in that movie, which is shot. Downtown. Nope. Which is shot. Canada. In a building mm-hmm. that you and I did the visualization to, Eric. Oh, really? Yes. It's in the lobby. You and I did oh. the big glass-fronted one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Avenue yeah, I, of the I, Stars. Okay, so just to give people a little bit of history here. So when Eric and I first met, and this is 2001, I believe, uh, uh, I – uh, was working at Gensler Architecture, and uh, we were designing this very large building, uh, which was going to be extraordinarily expensive. Uh, it's now become the, the C- headquarters of CAA. CAA building. Right? Oh. And so I needed someone, uh, some extra guns to help me on doing the visualization, and my friend Eric Hansen recommended Eric Sheely, and that was the first time we met. So I hired Eric, and he and I worked together on creating some videos to basically for the for the, uh, the 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 people that own the building to basically sell it as a marketing thing. Right. So we created all these great renderings, and it was this massive lobby that had this big glass front. Bamboo on it. coming out of the floor. Bamboo coming out of the floor, and it was like it was really at the time two thousand one. So- Really hard rendering. And certain to do. tiles had mm-hmm. explosives, so if you stepped on it, <laughs> it would blow up. Yeah, it was an IED, yeah, exactly, right. and that was the first real building to do that. But That's it. yeah, but now everyone now everyone kind of copy The originals are still. It was though. like very expensive looking. That I've I've been to CAA, right? And like so, that, and that building is intimidating. Yes, and you walk into that lobby, I'm like, whoa. So, but anyway, Eric and I worked on the visualization for that building. Mm-hmm. And it is in a lot of movies, including this one. Yes. Yeah. Where it is – I forgot which level deep they are in the dream. Yeah, this is one of the training dreams where they're – it's with – it's the, they use the uh, the Escher stairs. Uh, this is – I believe it's in the – Oh, they yeah, the I think you're right. I think that's where that's at. But anyway, just a connection. This – Eric and I worked on that building. That's fantastic. Yes, yeah, And it's it gorgeous. is in this thing. So – and it, yes, gorgeous. it is very much an architectural – like if yeah. you're going to do architecture, yeah. architecture is a very important part of this. Yep. Yep. Very important, which is cool. I mean, one of the main characters is essentially an architect, right? Like, uh, uh, Ariadne. Many characters yeah. are architects. They're all yeah. architects. But wait a minute. That house at the end with Hale or – that's the green and green, right? Uh, Pasadena. Oh, you're – oh, they yes. They end up going into a uh, – Where he spins uh, at the end with his kids. That's yep, the green yep. and green house. That is that is one of the, the Pasadena uh, – uh, The bungalows? Uh, not bungalows. They're called um, – Oh, God. Crafts. Craftsman House. Oh, Craftsman House. Yeah. And like I just read today that uh, Charlie Kaufman sold his uh, Pasadena Craftsman. Really? For I think two, five, or three. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just uh, just went up on the market. Okay. Well, there you go. Anyway. um, So, uh, yes. Uh, That, anyway. Do we want to, how do we want to go through the synopsis of, 
it's, let Dan do it and we can take a break. <laughs> we can come back next week. Let's see. I, I, I mean, I, I, the, the problem I was thinking about was like, it's going to be really easy to go through the synopsis and talk about the story of Dreamscape. But yeah. Inception? Inception. Let's see. Okay. I'll, it's I'll give, really I'll, hard. I'm going to, I'll give it a whack. I'll give it a whack. All right. So Should the, I time you? Can you do it in five minutes? I can do it in five minutes. Ready? All right. All right hold on. Hold on. I'm going to actually time you. There we go. All right. Because this is this will be very interesting to see if we can do it because we we normally take at least an hour to get through even the crappiest movie. All right. Five minutes. The story of Inception. All right. Ready? Go. All right. So uh, Inception uh, at least seems to be about a team of uh, uh, of uh, specialists led by Leonardo DiCaprio, and their specialty is uh, breaking into people's dreams uh, in order to either get secrets out of them in a way that they don't know the secrets are being stolen. So if they can invade a corporate uh, head's mind, they can stay, uh, steal company secrets and stuff like this. And they're hired to do this internationally, and they make a, apparently a lot of money doing this. Um, the team is him and Tom Hardy, who is uh, who sort of is a performer inside the uh, the dreams themselves. Uh, 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 he's joined by a character named Ariadne, and she sort of is the architect of how the dream mazes are built. And each member of the team has like a particular thing that they do well, right? Um, and uh, it's established that though he goes all over the world doing this kind of stuff, he is uh, not allowed to come back to America because it is believed that he killed his wife. His wife and he were pioneers in deep dream research where they would go from uh, not just uh, a going into a dream, but a dream with uh, within that dream. So you're dreaming that you're dreaming. And then a dream within that dream. And then a dream within that dream, which leads to a place they call limbo. Because then if you go that deep, you might not come back out again. It's almost like Dennis Quaid's character with Kate Capshaw. Right. You, like – if you made a sequel. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, so they use the first couple of layers of this dream within a dream gag as part of their swindles to try to get information out of the people that they are uh, getting information from when they do these sort of dream heists. And all that stuff is very, very exciting. But he is hired by this guy uh, named Sato, I believe, uh, Ken Watanabe. Yes. Uh, and in it's – but this is do a very special kind of thing called an inception and an inception is when you need to go deeply, deeply, deeply into someone's mind and try to plant an idea in their mind that when it sort of comes to fruition, when it, uh, uh, when it appears in their mind, uh, later on, they believe it is their own idea because if they, if they know that someone gave them the idea, they may act differently and it may modify their behavior in the wrong way. But in this case, they need to think, need this one guy to think that breaking up this major company is his own idea for particular reasons. And they need the company broken up because of global power maneuvers. Uh, so he hires him to do this thing and, uh, and, uh, um, and DiCaprio pulls the team together to start, um, creating the inception, uh, they go through various kinds of training to explain how all this stuff works. They bring Ariadne on board, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, as it's going on, everything is going well, except for the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio's wife as a dream image keeps on interfering more and more with what he is doing. And it soon comes to, uh, everyone comes to the realization that 
They are deep in the dreamland of trying to pull off the gag. And because she keeps on coming back in and fucking with them as a sort of a ghost memory, they may all actually get trapped in the dream and or trapped in limbo. And uh, so the movie ultimately becomes about DiCaprio himself needing to deal with the memory of his dead wife who seems to have committed suicide because she believed she was in a dream and the only way out was to kill herself um, and to deal with the guilt so that they can uh, both pull off the inception and DiCaprio can be free to go back to the United States to see his children, which he apparently does. How was that? You did that in four minutes, my friend. That's pretty good. Boom. There you go. All right. See, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. That was pretty darn good. Uh, that This is a – it is a uh, – like it was a very well-received movie and has uh, developed an incredible fan base. I am a giant fan of this movie and I think Eight, it's like tremendous. $840 million. Yeah, incredible movie. And I will say like – I mean, and so like uh, – you know, we're talking about when you said uh, like it's a it's a, you know like it's a movie that dumb people think is smart, right? That's the the I I definitely agree with at least like I think we're talking about the same group of people when we when we when we talk about that. I okay. do think it's a it's a pretty clever movie, like it's a, like it's a well constructed. I agree. Interesting movie. I agree. Here's what bothers me about it a mm-hmm. little bit, right? Because um, it's trapped between uh, an uh, 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 ethereal uh, movie about your subconscious right. and trying to be a heist film. Right. Yes. Right. So that is in a sense a contradiction. Yeah. Right. Because a heist film needs accurate <sighs> moments of And it's built on inaccuracy. It, like the, right. the very idea. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so what they do is they tack on all of this bullshit – Right, right. Information right. about like, oh no, this is how dreams work, and that's how we're going to time the heist. Right. It's like that doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. So they're like, no, no, no. Uh, you know, one minute in real life is like the, twenty like the, minutes. Like in there's the some dream sort world. of predictable mechanism. Like, going like, on. like you can actually set your timer to right, this, right? And it's like, okay, so you go one level deeper, right? So now you go this. So every level deeper, like, oh well, well I use my calculator. That's fifty right. years and, and for really, one minute. They, they sort of deeply embed this in the movie because um, uh, I think you guys know this, but uh, like Doesn't, the 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 music itself, the boom music right. is actually. The timing music they use, the dun 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 dun, 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 dun the thing. Oh, it's slowed like, yeah, down. It yeah, so it's slowed down. That's the music they use for timing, slowed down to the degree it should be in limbo. So it's like the it goes from and it goes and like and the commitment to that is fascinating. Like they're just like you like we're gonna make that the the theme, right? I understand, but the fact that they're basically putting such rigid rules rigid on, rules right. on dreams. something that you cannot have rigid rules about doesn't make yeah, but also that the concept of the heist is always a good heist film is you can see the character because they feel like they don't have anything left but right. to do this yeah exactly and if he was feeling the pressure of the wife and all of that i feel like you you kind of lost some of that emotional desperation you see in other heists which make it you know, enticing and it makes you follow the action because there were so many layers and it was confusing. Yeah. And actually, the, like my, the criticism that I have for this movie, uh, I don't have a lot of criticisms from this movie. But the thing that like I think that 
if anything, uh, Nolan is, and this hasn't been true in his last couple of movies, but like he tends to over explain at the wrong times, uh, for me. And like, because this happens, this happens in, um, uh, in one of my very favorite science fiction films is interstellar. Mm-hmm. And I think that he gets the sort of, he tunes the, how much do I need to explain to the audience stuff? He just gets the, the mixture kind of off. Like, because sometimes position is like, yeah, it's just like, I don't like, I'm all like, and especially in inception, like one of the things I like in inception is that like the movie is like 90% exposition, but he frames it in the same way that things like the dirty dozen frame exposition where it's like the exposition is kind of the action. You know, it's like the sure. you're, you're just going to like the part, part of the fun of what you're seeing is me explaining how clever this is. Like that's kind right. of the joy of the movie. And that's, and that happens in a lot of heist films. And you, like when you watch them, like here's how it's all going to work. First, you're going to go in through the door and you got to buy the special kind of, and like going through and that takes like 20 minutes and then it doesn't happen that way. And that's what, right. you know, great heist films do. So I think that it works pretty well. I just think in the third act in this movie, like there's too much going on yeah. that, it's it slows down the emotions for me and like what That's i what really I saying. Yeah, yeah exactly like what, yep. i want to get to the the meat and potatoes of the emotions i, I actually and there's think, a little bit too much james bond chasing this in the yeah well i actually think all of that would work if you actually it could be the main hook but if you took out the kind of dream within a dream mm-hmm. just the concept of that he can actually go into a dream right is genius right. for a heist right so keep it at that right and that's how he gets hired yeah. but to go in and then do the because you start to lose what dream is because they have these people who kick right right like, so you start to lose track of that yeah. and then you start to lose track of the emotional of bead of the character because yeah, the, the thing that's really meaningful to me the thing that makes me very like really affects me in the story is the dead wife and his kids like, that's right that's, that's the heart of the movie but you lose that me. because yeah, there's yeah, a kick so much time away gotta, from that because and then like, wait a minute where are yeah, they good, good, good. oh yeah he was Guys, yeah, like, there's yeah. Well, the all of that could like, still work. Yeah. I'm sorry, all that could still work if you didn't make it within the 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 real hook at the end could have been that maybe if he was a guy who can with his team go in and heist dreams. Right, that's genius. Oh yeah, yeah But yeah. to go with this next step, but maybe at the end he realizes with the wind blowing on the curtains or right. something like, oh fuck, I'm yeah. actually in the second right. one, and right. he doesn't tell anybody. Right. But it's your responsibility to tell us we're in a dream within a dream. Right. How right. the fuck do we get out? Yeah, I guess I. I, I mean, like, there's I just too like, much. Yeah, there's there's just a lot there's a lot going on again. Like the the ending, the third act. I still think it's a really fun third act. But the I'm off the emotional train just a little bit until the very end. Like the, the very end, he brings it back for me. If but it like was the, a series, a it, year-long series, oh yeah, then fantastic. Like and I, I love the dream within a dream stuff. But it feels like in the very end, like he has to sort of like it feels like there's a lot of sweeping up to do. Like we just have to like okay, well we have to make everyone get everyone here, and then yeah, we have yeah. to get oh, everyone wait, here, wait, and, wait, 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 and then go quickly, and then you go to the yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's like, a little uh, bit, it's a little busy, and then, and it's a little busy, and, and it's a little like 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 I said, I watched it a few times. I was like. It's a little far fetched. We're doing the middle of a fucking gun battle, and right. gotta, we got to go one level deeper, and then like suddenly yeah. fall asleep. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like the yeah, like there's a no, no, no. Let's 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 go to sleep. Let's go one more right, dream right, deep. Right, right, right. Like what? Yeah, like you're gonna a, just like lay down on the ground like and he, go to sleep I and have another if, dream. If, if he had to, in the like, middle of a gun if he battle, a, if he made a mistake, that's with the, movie. that's the that's the ridiculous of it, and you can't help it. Yeah, I, because I, I, that, that's more ridiculous right. than dreamscape. 
Yeah, no, I, like I think that I think that the balance is off because like he wants to deliver like essentially a James Bond movie at this point, and the James Bond well, movie it's stuff, like a James Bond yeah, film. Because, it looks exactly like a James Bond yeah. movie, and like and I appreciate that because it's really all really well done, and he would make a, he would do an incredible James Bond movie, right? Um, but like it's sort of like there's a different. It's weird because like there's a difference between like one of my favorite action scenes in the movie is uh, is not one of the crazier ones, uh, but it's the it's the uh, the chase in uh, Mombasa, like mm. which is just like a great fast foot chase, and like it feels like like it still feels weird, but you're you're really in it, like you really feel driven and focused in it. Whereas the uh, the snow the snowscape James Bond movie, like. I, I was waiting go- for those Star Wars creatures to come. Yeah, I was, I was just like, I'm not really but sure I, who I'm supposed to follow or what, why, exactly why, what we're why, doing. Why we're here? We get, and, it's, and it's only for about maybe a 10 minute stretch, and that's the that's the flaw that I, I, I would say like that needs a little bit of work. The rest of the movie, I, I'm right. a big big fan. But I, I do I, I totally hear where you're coming from in terms of like the uh, the the logistics of dreams. Like that's a that's a contradictory statement, right? And right. Uh, but like uh, my my feeling, I guess. Is that uh, like that? That actually, I agree that that's true. And for me, it works in the movie because I don't believe we are ever in reality in the movie at all. I think we're only in a dream. Oh, I know. This is the most Dan Thrawn film ever made. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like, if he had yeah. ways. <laughs> Dude, you know, because Dan, 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 I mean, you know, if you listen to any of our previous podcasts, Dan loves to think is like, what if the whole thing was a dream? This, this is a, this, I, I think. What that, if the whole thing never happened? Here's, here's what and I this think. This film pretty much delivers on that. I, I, I have, I have, 100%. I have, I have an inception, uh, of a of a review, <laughs> right. like the first level of what I think this movie is is it's a heist movie about stealing people's ideas. Right. The second level of what I think this movie is is it's actually not about that at all. It's all in a dream in Cobb's head, and he is the one that is being saved by a team. Like he is the one. The idea that's being put in his head is forgiveness and letting go. And like Ariadne and all the rest of the crew are like Ariadne is actually leading the Inception team against DiCaprio, um, not DiCaprio is leading any team at all, right? right? Um, and uh, and they're basically there to save him because he's the one who's trapped in limbo. Um, the third level is that it isn't any of that at all, but it is the it's the dreamiest of dreams, which is to say it is a movie and it is talking about making movies and the experience of watching movies and uh and like there's there's uh, there's a whole lot of people have said this on the net but i think very few people have put it together coherently but like this movie much like interstellar seems to be about how it's like tarantino uh, well it's like well it's like uh, nolan has a story in him which is i love making these movies and it takes me away from my family and this is what Interstellar is about, and this is what, to me, Inception is about. Like yeah. I am, I am, I'm out of the country, and I cannot get out of the dream world. And my kids are, you know, forever apart from me. It's like this is you could talk about either movie this right. way, but in particular, Inception is like very much a filmmaking team. You think in real life he misses his kids? I, I don't know anything about him personally, but it, like this is what seems to come across in his movies. Yeah, like and uh, like missing your daughter because you're away at work is like a big fucking theme for this guy, like huge. And uh, and he's made incredibly emotional 
um, sequences and films out of this, and I think it's great. I mean, it's also sort of the idea behind um, the um, uh, uh, the Christian Bale uh, magic one uh, that he did. But well, I can't remember the title for some reason. But like the one where he's uh, it's Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale and the the and, promise and or the pr- presidio. The pr- yeah, yeah, that you, with David yeah, Bowie. So, yeah, with David Bowie. So, Love that yeah. film, and it's it's excellent. But it's basically the same story again. It's like I'm I will be forever separated from the people that I love because of my. It's love with of the a work. P. It's the press. The presidio. Prestige. There prestige. We go. Prestige. Yeah. And uh, yes. and so you have like in. Well, I really think it's very clever is like you have uh, Cobb is a um, like he's essentially he looks like Christopher Nolan. He's given Christopher Nolan's hairstyle and sense of clothes like he's designed to look like him. Right. And um, and he is uh, 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 he's the guy who you know controls all the dreams and all this kind of jazz. Right. You have Ariadne who's essentially a set designer. <laughs> you have Tom Hardy who's essentially an actor. And the final thing that they're trying to – and you have like Sato as a producer and all this kind of stuff. And the final thing they're trying to do is put together this fake little scene so that Keir, uh, Killian Murphy has the release of an emotion. Like the scene itself is artificial. It's on a stage essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's a performance given for Killian Murphy so he has an emotional release, which is – you as the audience. That's why you're here to see the movie. Right. Like this is being performed for you. And uh and so like the what they're building is a little fake story that makes you cry, right? And uh and they use terms like, you know, there's a um, uh, sort of a psychological term, which is like when you project onto somebody or like these are the mental projections that are coming after you. But it's like it's a projection. Like that's a f- that's what's happening to you in the movie theater. Like these aren't real people; they are projections. Yes, you know. And so, like, I think that these, like, the the movie is about the moviness of what you're experiencing. Like, you are sleeping, semi sleeping, with a bunch of other people and dreaming that this is real, and uh, and having an emotional experience, even though you know essentially that it's artificial, right? And you have the um, the idea that uh, like like the uh, the the great scene where he's talking to Ariadne. And he, he's like, um, you know, in dreams, like, you know, in dreams, you never go somewhere. You just are somewhere and you don't even remember how you got there. I love right? that part. And it's great. And it's also what happens in movies. Like you right. just you cut to a scene and you are in the scene. Which is what exactly what they did in a movie. Like, right. Suddenly, exactly. like you're in a cafe and press like, right. do you remember how you got here? Yeah. No idea. No. And neither does the audience, you know. Right. And so like the. Yeah, so, actually, I did. I. I loved that scene specifically because you're right. Like you never know when a dream begins. Exactly. That's the whole point right. of that. And scene. editorially, like this is what you do in films. It's like you just – you start a scene in the middle of the – And that's you know. an excellent point. I right. never actually put uh, – related that to filmmaking. Where, yeah. Like, it's, it's Suddenly we're in Paris. Yeah. And right? they, we're just or here. suddenly Walter Matthau is in Salzburg Yeah. You know, and like yeah. we just sort of accept that. And, yeah. and, the, and the beauty of uh, that – uh, but like calling it out in this semi-meta way, right? Yep. Uh, and it it shows that like all of the uh, all of the sort of the architecture that they're using, the like timing it out and all this sort of like all that stuff. If you think of it in either one of these two contexts, either it's like this is actually just a metaphor from filmmaking, or it is uh, you're in Cobb's dream the whole time. Like when I'm having a dream, 
I do ha- I do think there are rules, and I try. To, I have to get to the thing by the certain time when the flowers explode out of the clock, and I think that that's the way it's supposed I to gotta work. I got to get this chicken salad. I got to get the chicken with salad with the ginger exactly. dressing. And so you think that you have to operate by these rules, and you don't actually. Like all that is just part of the dream. So, a uh, very common dream with of mine mm-hmm. is a goal. Right. I have to get on an airplane. I have to go see this movie or I have to finish this thing or right. I, I have to get to this destination. And this is common with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. My entire dream is trying to prepare to do that. Yeah, right. But never actually <laughs> never doing actually that. doing it. Yeah. I've, right? Yeah, like, so like all this. this stuff of like, like if I do this, then mission accomplished. But my entire dream is like, do I have – you know, my suitcase packed or right. do I have this or do I have, like not even. Do you lose your suitcase at all? Uh, y- yes. Right. Yeah. Well, I actually had a lot of dreams because when I was traveling a lot, which was weird because I was traveling by myself. Mm-hmm. But I had dreams of going through all the airports around the world that I had traveled to, mm-hmm. but not just me, but with my family. Right. And then like. Losing my kid in the airport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's dreadful. Like, like getting on the freaking elevator in Frankfurt to go to Terminator Four or whatever, and then like the door closes and my son is in the elevator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of like where the fuck did he go? And it's like I don't know, no, like because I don't, you know, there's a and all and like no matter like how nonsensical the edges of the dream are, like the 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 moment that is a dream of mine. Right, and it's like the immediacy and all the details of what is ha- are, are extremely clear. You know what's weird is because of Inception now, like revealing that dream on this live podcast now mm-hmm. makes me feel insecure. Why? <laughs> that, well, Why? It, that's what because the dream's someone's about. gonna gonna take advantage of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get incepted, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I think that that is the like that's the thing is like these these. When you have anxiety dreams like that, I definitely have exactly these kinds of dreams. I don't get any of that. I None have no anxiety. anxiety. No, I have very adventurous no, dreams where I fly. You are, you are smooth sailing, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Everything's good, brother. No anxiety with me. But yeah, it's like that's the – like it's it's awesome how specific dreams can be in the moment. And then when you relate them back to people, you're like, of course, all the setup of this is nonsense. Do you yeah. have dreams that you've had for your whole life? Yes. In yeah. fact, like I not only have dreams that I – like there's – I'll tell you a couple of them. One is that I uh, have this recurring dream where a tiny black box appears in front of me and other black boxes appear. They just appear in midair and they start expanding and expanding slowly but like unstoppably and they will eventually crush me. And no matter where I run, there's black boxes everywhere and eventually they crush up against each other and start killing people. I think I know where that is. What is it from? Yeah. You want to know why? Am I going to start crying? And then I'll tell you about my dream. Go for it. Now I want to hear all of this. Yes, Eric. When I had eye surgery, mm-hmm. they took my lens out. Oh, right. When oh, you had God. Your, you, That's you, terrifying. You, uh, just, just so people know, you had cataract surgery. Yeah, I got to do it again in two years. Okay. On my left eye. But right. my right eye, I have a fake lens. And I have a heart murmur, so they didn't put me under. So I was awake, strapped to a table. While they were working on your eyeballs. They cut my eyeball open twice oh, with a diamond knife, and they talked me through it. And I was just staring at the ceiling panels, and then it kind of went white because they took the lens out with yeah, a small micro vacuum. Okay. Then I had 
a black box in the center, and I circling back to your thing, and the box all of a sudden grew, mm. and it exploded to thousands of square perfect oh, boxes. Oh God, that's terrifying! But then it yeah. disappeared to white, uh-huh. and it came back, and it was a yellow box. Oh, and the yellow box <laughs> exploded to millions of square boxes, and then red and green, and then what? I said, I see boxes, and they're exploding. Dr. Kodabash in Beverly Hills was like, you'll see aberrations like that. That's just your um, your con- rods and cones reacting to no lens because it's just like – they don't know what to do with the information. Then, so you could be rolling your eyes back right. and something with the, the rods and cones in your right. – something because that square thing is indicative when you, you lose your lens. Right. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, dude, I'm gonna have that. So that black for box sure. thing. Yeah, well, the thing and is, they yeah. were perfect boxes, I, and they exploded in the millions, and they come back and one solid yellow yeah. float there in the center and go boom, explode again. <laughs> did you Blue. Do, did you have anxiety while you were watching that? You're like, what the fuck's going on? Here's the here's what I'll tell you because be- I know you, but I'm also thinking like I if my head is fucking strapped to a to a thing and my eyes can't move and stuff mm-hmm. I would freak out about that I'll stuff. tell you I'll, t- would, I'll be honest <laughs> with you I had anxiety for about four months prior to the surgery because mm-hmm. I was legally blind it was 2560 mm-hmm. so I needed to do it because my lens torn off it yeah. was torn off yeah. so I had anxiety like I couldn't sleep crying in the shower it was right. like because the, the surgery is 50-50 right I went in at like 6 o'clock, 5.45 in the morning to the uh, Beverly Hills uh, Surgical Center, Eye Surgery Center, which is mm-hmm. Dr. Kodabash's. It's right by Barney's on Wilshire across the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Beautiful yeah. building. Yep. And he, Well, yeah, if it's next to Barney's, it's going to be good. No, well, it's just right there. It's across. <laughs> but it's a beautiful building. Be so I went in early in the morning. Um, my copay was six grand, so I just put it on my, my credit card. Right. Um, Cha-ching. I was like, I don't fucking care at this stage. I could be blind. So I go in and then the anesthesiologist is like, anything else? I was like, eh, you know, you got the heart murmur, right? And he's like, oh, hold on a second. So then he goes and talks to the doctor. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Because I'm in a blue outfit sitting on the thing. Right. They're like, one second, Eric, one sec. <laughs> and they both turn to me. And they look back and talk to each other. Oh, man. Champ, let's talk about this. Okay, what did he just say? What, what was that? What was that? You said <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. So uh, basically, we'll walk it through it. I think we could I do it together. Fine. He I went to NYU and I was there. I was at art school. He was at the medical school, but he literally lived three blocks from me. He lived off of Bleecker. I was on Bleecker, and we went to the same restaurants and everything. Literally same age. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Grew up in uh, the island, Long Island, mm-hmm. and Long, so, island. Long, Long island. island. So he's from the island. Super smart guy, man. Mm-hmm. Great guy, and. I was like, all right, let's just do this. So I was so pissed Mm -hmm. at that stage. Just fucking do it. And then he's like, we got some people visiting from Brazil, these Mm -hmm. doctors, and they just want to watch me work because he's considered one of the best in the world. So so basically the idea is if you have a heart murmur, they can't put you under. This guy got the jitters. And I was like, just do it. And then he was just – he was like, I don't know. So they put me – they shot stuff in my eye. And then they gave me – Propofol, like the Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson stuff, drug, but yeah. not a lot. So yeah. I basically was like talking so, to you. So, major chill pill. Yeah. Well, it's beyond. They didn't give me a lot though, right. because I get that sometimes I go completely under. Yeah. But this, I was like talking. But if if you hit me, I'd go, oh, dude, stop it. Just a touch. It's like right. having three of these drinks. Right. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm here. What do I do? Keep looking straight. I can't look straight. I don't have a lens. What right. is straight? He's like, stop being a pain in the ass. Just look straight. I was like, yeah. I can't. I don't know what straight is. I don't is. have a I lens. No I don't know what straight right. is. Right. Right. And but basically 
I was just get it over with. Oh, and dude. all it did was feel like this. See how just I'm a pinching little, you? A little pinch, It yeah. just felt like a pinch. Oh, my God. Dude. And then he sewed me up, and then I went back like God five months you. later, and then he pulled the stitches out, which hurt. Yeah, I imagine. But, he, but here's the deal. If I get punched or something, it could break open. Right. Because your eye never – it just is held by suction. Right. Because the yeah. cut never really heals. Oh, God. Right. So that's why I don't swim in Santa Monica. There's too much sewage and bacteria. Right. Yeah, you just get I right don't in play there. contact sports anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that I did, but the point no is, more boxing. I was so pissed yeah. about that, but I got out of there. I looked like Menachem Big and I had these like big glasses, yeah, like wandering right, through right. street looking for my wife. Oh my I was God. like, there you are. Jesus, get me home. And it was, it was what pretty was the recovering time on this thing. Well, here's the deal. I was working as an animator at a company and I wanted to get back to work to yeah. pay for that 6,000 copay. So I went yeah. back a week later and he screamed at me because my eyes started hurting. Mm-hmm. So I had to take a month off. Jeepers creepers. If I had Your eyes right. started what? It's st- oh, weeping dude. blood. <laughs> it really hurt. Oh, I was working. I went back it's a terrifying. week later and it was just like, That's I, terrifying. I could barely, I could barely move. I was like a head. My eyes were still adjusting. I had a lens flare for mm-hmm. about a My month. My dad had cataract surgery. Sounds similar to what you had, but didn't have that, all those serious issues. Which serious issues? Oh, Weeping blood? No, you didn't. No, no, that I was didn't me. Bleed. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't bleed. I threw, I, I threw in the weeping blood just because. No, it's no, no. Phrase. I just got headaches because I was on the computer a week after I got <laughs> ah, this, okay. and it was so the headaches were blinding. Though you know what I mean. Right. So it was it was like my eyes were not fully adjusted to the um you know and yeah, they have the to thing is to the craziest thing about this and on you know I'll stop talking. I could this this eye was shot. With my left eye, I could read my phone Thursday night. Right. Surgery Friday, bandages come off Sunday. I co- even if I closed my eyes and covered up, I couldn't read my phone with the left eye. Right, right. And on Wednesday, I went to see him, and he showed me the video of the surgery. Mm-hmm. Right, so I got to see myself going under the knife. I was right. like, "Wow!" I was like, nuts. "Absolutely freaking!" I was like, "Holy yeah. shit!" Yeah. But I kept watching. It was like a horror film. And then he was like, "Oh yeah, your eye just adapted to the other one." Oh my god. Meaning I could see perfectly like this. I can't now. I can't read my phone even if I cover it up oh, because right. the eye within a couple of days adapted to what this new well, parameter adjusts itself. To yes. The other and eye, not yeah. only that, I had lens flares. Oh, weird. And he's like, don't worry about them. The brain will start to minus them out. Yeah, because you, yeah, your brain does this constantly. It's so he's so like, weird. you'll have a lens flare. It was like a great, you know, it was like the thing every day, like the flare rah, all over the place. Yeah, exactly. And then after a month, it was gone because what it does is just subtract it. Yeah, because your brain just like just lies to you. Just That's says, right. You're not saying it's this. just taking it out. It takes That's it out for incredible. you. It's still there with the crystalline lens. Well, like everybody, and this is true for literally everybody, because where your optic nerve goes back into your head, like there's no rods or cones in that zone of your eyeball. And there is the, an empty hole in your vision just to the, off to the center yeah. of your vision. And your brain just draws in stuff. Just you know, goes, I don't know, something like this. You know, yep. given, given what was there before, it's probably this. Machine learning. Yeah. That's what it is. But that's what it is. Yeah. So so interesting. Okay. So, But so. just quickly, going back to the thing about the dreams. Yes. Right. You And I'm, I went on a tangent, Chris, and I apologize. I'm not here okay. to chit-chat because it's a podcast. <laughs> it's very serious. But, but, we have to but the thing the is, I've had the same recurring dream mm-hmm. since the fall of 1983. Well, what is the dream? Well, it's basically I'm wandering through a city. Mm-hmm. But it's the same city. Um, and it's by like uh, – it's almost like a port city and mm-hmm. it's almost like it could be in Canada, like Vancouver. It's mm-hmm. that type of feel. And I say hi to the same people in the cafes and yeah, restaurants. Same place every time. Same place yeah. in the shipbuilding area and I'll watch people and I just wander through the city. Yeah. 
And yeah. every year I have that about four or five times, and it's the same city. There's Even same if I'm in a different part of the city, right. I'm like, oh my God, there's the harbor right. Right. that I was, you know, I remember from 1983. Right. And yeah. I'll walk over there. Why and fall? How do you remember that it started in fall 83? Because I went away to high school and I remember having that dream the fall, and I just started um, high school. That's so fantastic. And or you went away to high school. I went away to prep school, and it was actually my where, where did you go to prep school? Uh, right by West Point, a, a Trinity Point School, all boys prep school. Oh, Trinity. Yeah, and it was uh, my class was about forty guys. So th- this place expanded as as the years went by. You're the, the yeah, dream. yeah, right, right, right. But it started. But I remember waking up, and I remember going out into because it was all old buildings and a quad. It was kind of like a college, right. and I was literally in just a t-shirt. And just staring at the buildings, and it was you know was four the in the first morning. Time you were away from home? No, I lived. Uh, I went away when I was seven, and I turned eight that summer for eight weeks. Every summer, I would go to camp when I turned the seven. Camp, all right. Eight weeks in New Hampshire, but, but, and but, then I traveled okay, Europe. But this was like a little vacation thing, right? So this is the first time you're like sent, <laughs> no, I don't, sent away. Now, I there was something else about it. I think uh, I don't know I'm what it is. To- no, you, you, I think it was because you realize. I think then I realized that you're you're basically always alone in life, and so I felt like that was the time where I discovered, like, oh, I really, you really are just all by yourself. Is that what that dream city seems to simulate? And all I do is just walk around, and everyone will say hi to me. Right. It's the same city, same people, the same guy at the counter That's who makes the tuna fish sandwich, and I feel like actually it's. If I die, you know, when I die, I know there's no existence. It's maybe I'll I'll be there. It sounds ridiculous. That's your place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I already Do you like that place. I don't mind it, but I I've never seen now. anybody that I've loved there, and that's right. why it scares me. So it's all, I'm it's, telling right. you things that I never thought I'd. But I, I literally it and, feels lonely. It feels like a lonely place. Well, I'm by myself, and yes, people say hi, but there's nobody I say I love you to. Right. right. And. But I'm always wandering, and it's the same fucking city. I'll be different. It's like I'm basically like learning the map of the city, mm. and it's the same fucking city. Yeah, that's interesting. Crazy, and it's and I literally was like, maybe because of my mind, it compounded so much from '83. But I have that dream eh, three, four times a year. Wow. And then I don't wake up scared anymore, but I was like, oh, now that I have a child, I was like, I've never seen her there. Oh, man, that's sad. Okay, that's the sad part for me right there. Do you know what I mean? That's or I've right never there. seen my my wife. Right, right. And, but then it's like, that's my fate, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I've been, it's certainly like the place, I like that the that it keeps on adding on to itself and becomes a larger place. But it's know? still a city. But it's, but it's but still it, a, uh, well, that's because it's a different level of dream. I think Chris Nolan could... Say that's in a different level. But some yeah, people right. don't have the same dreams. I well, I do have a. I, you ask like whether or not I have a a, a place Re- that I return. Like, recurring. There is a re- there is a recurring place that I dream about, um, which is a uh, it is a house. It is a sort of triple decker Boston style mm. uh, house, and uh, and it is uh, it's you know it's fairly large and it's on this sort of like little. It's on a little bit of a hill on sort of a wooded street and all this kind of stuff. And I dream about this place at least once a year. 
and it has on the the inside is a is vastly different and incredibly large than the outside that's you know like way bigger than it could ever be there's a theater in it i know where the theater is i can imagine the stairs you climb to get to the upper the to the balcony of the theater uh and all these places are little stitched together areas of my own life like the the main part of the house is for some bizarre reason it's my of my friend's girlfriend's apartment uh, my friend chris's uh, ex-girlfriend's apartment i remember it very clearly the Middle portion of the house is my middle school, when which used to be a jail, <laughs> where in like the stairs that lead down to this basement, and the other part leads up to the theater. And the theater itself is uh, um, the uh, the theater at uh, what's the college? The theater uh, at um, la, 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 la. The, the, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the, it's not a college. It's uh, the Wang Theater in Boston. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, and sort of like a rundown version of the Wang, and it's like and like and it's all like I could draw the place. I've been there. I've dreamt about it so many times. But what happens there is always wildly different. Like the cast and crew are like totally different every single time. It's just the place that's used as like a set that gets rolled out. So like, okay, we're gonna dream about this, and we're gonna we don't have it anywhere else, so we rented the house. <laughs> right, and it's gonna take place in the, somewhere in the house, and that's what we're gonna do. Can I tell another one? Or are you gonna get angry? I'm not getting angry. I love this. This is the whole I'll point. I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. It's and it's podcast. okay. First of all, hold on. Why do you? You're think an I'm angry gonna... person. You're an angry person. <laughs> You're not an angry person. <laughs> Just because I yelled at you, I don't want you doing what you did to Dan. Oh, it's all good. It's all. I don't want Eric, you doing what you did. The whole point, Eric. Don't start him up. <laughs> the whole point is that we can we can talk about this stuff. I'll tell you. This is mm. you. You think I'm cuckoo. You don't so much, but the point is I do think you're cuckoo, but that's why I love you, and I don't so much. I wish employers. No, that sounded wrong. I wish I'm em- I wish employers <laughs> felt that way. Um, but the thing is, this is true. St- this is true. Mm. I uh, went to a wedding in 2008. My daughter was just born, and I went to a wedding in London. Uh, the friend of mine, the Endeavor guy, yeah. he was getting married in London. Mm-hmm. So I flew out there by myself and I stayed at my best friend's little brother. He's a banker. He had one place on King's Road, like whole floor with with balconies and terraces. Right. It was like 20 grand a month, mm-hmm. 20,000 pounds a month. The bank paid for it. And he was, you know, you know, doing his thing with, with the ladies and I was exhausted. Right. And I crashed at his place in one of the guest rooms. And I remember I had a dream where I was walking down the street and all of a sudden, everyone's panicking, and I'm all of a sudden I'm helping somebody, mm-hmm. no joke. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god! And I'm helping somebody because they're injured. Mm-hmm. And I, and then I wake up. I was supposed to uh, go. The event started for the weekend the next day, so I was just was chilling. Mm-hmm. I wake up and I start just like I gotta get some coffee and walk down Kinnick's Road by Sloan Square. And I do that, and I'm standing at an intersection, and I was like, oh, it's time to cross. And I was like, you know what? I'll let for the next one. These Arab kids in a Lamborghini or Ferrari right, okay. went through right past me. I would have been killed. And they hit a guy on a bike. Oh, wow. And the guy went up like a rag doll and down uh-huh. and he did not move. And I'm standing over with him. And then people pushed me back where these other people in the ambulance came. The guy was not moving. Oh, man. Like he was not. I think he, he – and I was like, holy shit. And I'm standing with this guy and I'm like – that's the craziest thing. I literally had a dream that there was a panic, like something like that. And he's like, right. no joke. Right. And I was like, 
yeah. I was like, and I was so jet lagged. Right. And I was like, fuck. And I was like, I got to keep walking. He's like, oh, I'll walk with you. So he starts walking with me and I'm telling the story. And then we end up going through this park and we're talking and in about 15 minutes, he's like, I got to go this way. The whole time I'm like, God, this guy looks like Mick Jagger. <laughs> this guy really looks like Mick Jagger. Anyway, but, 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 and I'm talking, talking. And he's like, well, anyway, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Eric, Eric Sheely. He's like, ah, oh, Chris Jagger. I was like, oh. <laughs> okay, nice to meet you. And I walked my other way. And I was like, what the fuck was that? But I literally dreamt that I was in a panic in the street right. where there was an emergency situation. And I walk out on the street and this guy got – this messenger on a scooter got hit. Oh, my God, yeah. But yeah. within – So within, like what do you think is going on there? What's the, what's the reality? What's happening there? Like what, what, how, how does this work? Like is, is something actually happening? Is that just a random occurrence? Chris will say no. I told you stories about my sister. Sure. Where she has dreams and mm -hmm. she'll tell people. And right. I feel like that's possibly something like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to harness that. So well, I just have to accept all, whatever okay. it is and just move on. Right. Hold, right. hold on. Right. Like I'm not going to say no. I think you're, 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 you're painting me into a corner. <laughs> I, I – and I appreciate the fact that you recognize that I'm a skeptic. That's right? fine. Yeah, it's fair to say you're a skeptic. I think that's that's reasonable. right. Skeptic doesn't mean I think you're wrong. I just means I'm skeptical. Right. Your your automatic stance is well, maybe. <laughs> right. I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something, Mister um, Skeptic. Skeptic. I'll tell you something. This is good theater right here. I'm a little hot. I'm gonna open the door. Come on. So this is it. Mm -hmm. So this is the thing. This is what happens to me. I don't know how to harness it, and I don't want to harness it. But this is what happens to me, and this is not therapy. Mm -hmm. It is probably. It's good though. <sighs> Damn it! No. <laughs> I literally told my therapist uh, like two weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I don't – I feel like I just come in here and tell you my problems and I don't want that. <laughs> I was like, is, That's her job. I was like, is there a way we That's can like switch I this? I feel like I just like, go how to are you? I'm being selfish here and it's like, what's going on with you? And he's just looking at me like smirking like – you're in therapy. That's why you – I was like, okay. Don't think I'm going to pay, pay for this. <laughs> um, Go ahead. So the thing is I literally uh, – Monday, which mm -hmm. was yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, I'm dealing with a thing that I've, I've created yeah, and sure. it's out now. And there is somebody in my life from growing up just literally down the street mm -hmm. and I've known since I was seven, um, has a daughter that's an actress mm -hmm. and um, – I'm the godparent. Nice. I have not talked to this particular – I haven't talked to a certain group of people there, oh, probably about 10, 15 years. Right. But now, though, out of the blue – Even though you're the godparent. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> even though you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm sorry. No, it's true. I'm, like, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just putting it in context because you said that. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> but no, there's, I'm a godparent. No, you brought it up. I, I know. I did not bring it up. I realize yes. that. But throwing that in, that's, I appreciate I that. Um, the point is – Stuff went down. Mm -hmm. So the point is, okay, life gets complex, mm -hmm. right? Right, of course. Of course okay, happens, so of course. this is it. Yes. But yeah. I, my godfather, I haven't spoken to in a long time because it turns out a, he's not that good a person. <laughs> but I used to but love a fan him of the show. <laughs> I used to love him as a kid, and as it turns That's out, he's it's, a it's, fucking these maggot. Happen, I understand. Sure. See, but I'm not that. But right. I, I definitely have. Um, 
you know, I, I'll, I could tell you off the, the thing, what, why, why I, I... Sure, okay. Let's but go anyway, back to your story. This, this, this all, story. The point is, the point is, I wrote a character knowing that this person's daughter was an actress. Mm-hmm. But I only told my wife just recently. Right. But the, the writer, my partner, writing partner, knows. Mm-hmm. And I've not heard from those people. And yesterday, I was explaining it to Nancy. Mm-hmm. And then I got off the phone with her. And I got a text. Out of the blue. Yeah. Completely out of the blue. 12, 15 years. That's insane. From this person saying, right. hey, you know, they're out here for auditions or something. Do you want? Oh, that's crazy. That's great. That's great. But think about that. Yeah. Uh, that happens all the time, dude. But well, you, I think there's – so going back to the London thing, I think – you know what it is? I think there's stuff flying in the air. Like Keith Richards always used to just wait for stuff to grab. Maybe he took a lot of drugs, I right. think. I think. And the point is – Yeah, heard. Yeah. Um, you just grab it out of the air like lightning. And I, I like, believe there's that the, – the way, the way – I think the realistic way to say it is that the, the, the chances of something – uh, incredibly uh, rare or uh, at, just out of the blue happening to anybody, any particular person, are incredibly small. The chances of something out of the blue happening to someone on the earth are 100% every single day. Like, there's like, there, because like, there's billions of people, and all these interactions and all these interconnections produce, uh, like, the chances of some weird bullshit happening are 100%. It's just not necessarily going to be happening to you today. But the interconnections between people uh, and the information that trades back and forth between all humans all the time, it's much higher chance than you imagine. And I do believe, and this is where I get really woo-woo, is like there's kinds of communication that's happening between people that they're not aware of. And information gets traded around in in a meta way that you are not conscious of. Yes. But it comes back to you. And I will tell you a story about this. Hold on, Chris. You got me on a roll. <laughs> my father – am I telling too much? No. It's, no. it's beautiful. I love it. I, I, I'm, laughing, I'm laughing at the fact like I got you on a roll because I haven't said anything. <laughs> it's <laughs> you. I can see you're forcing with your eyeballs. I love it. Eric, keep going. My keep father going. was at a convention for business in San Diego in 1981. Mm-hmm. And he gave a talk and then he was sitting up in the front and – during another speech, he was like really dizzy and he tried to get up, but he passed out and fell. Ugh. And all of a sudden, all these executives around him, they wake him up and he looked at both of them, uh, the, the group of men. And he said, my father just died. And they're like, huh? And they pulled him off the dais. He went back to his room. People were there. And about two hours later, I got a call from his mother. Oh, and that, oh man. Well, I mean, what, know, are, man. what I mean, are the chances of that? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's like I think about But I'm saying – I'm not saying, oh, let's open up a store uh, on downtown yeah, yeah, yeah. and we'll be a psychic. Like, what I'm saying is there is this – for me, I don't say, oh, how do I use it to positive or like how do I sure. manipulate no, It's I, like I, believe, I just accept that lightning. I, I, I believe that uh, – that uh, how, we do not understand how consciousness works, and we are probably connected in ways we don't understand. That's but, what I believe. I think that's a fair. Thing. That's a hundred percent what I believe. Yep. Yep. And then you have these sinewy trans, like films and music 
mm-hmm. connect you to some of those kind of Absolutely. beats and emotions Absolutely. that you feel that maybe connect you. Uh, it's just almost like a little a vibration right. or something. And yep. it sounds uh, – maybe I live in California too long. But I totally believe that stuff. So, I don't poo-poo it. I accept it and try to – you know, and I'm not like somebody so else in the let's, room. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's use this – to go back to my own, but I do want to have a, okay, it's a, it's a heist, which <laughs> is that I never fucking finish anything. My reoccurring dream is I'm preparing for something uh-huh. and never get there. How does how does this connect to your life? It feels that is your greatest fear. Well, I I have a lot of ideas and I never finish them. Yeah, I know how that feels. I have zillions of ideas and finish three percent of them. Three percent I finish are great. <laughs> but that's yeah, it's a, like that is a very like that. You know, that's I think that's a it very very unfulfilling. Yeah, it's a, so well, my dreams are about not finishing. That's the right. luggage and chasing after. Yeah, I get those. Yeah, you know, and being separated from things that you care about. I think that's uh, like that's the, all these anxieties are very. Very familiar to artists, and uh, yes. you know, I think that these are like that. That it's you know, it's like what we're saying with Inception, with the um, with uh, you know Cobb's kids. You know, like that's a like the reason why that rings true for so many people is because that's how people like you have real anxiety about that in your real work every day. Okay, you know, I want to get to the end of the movie real quick mm-hmm. because it's the most Dan Thrawn like. If ever you had any doubt <laughs> right, about right. the real intentions of the end of this movie, right. it's there. Yes, right. So he ends up in the same fucking house that he has the meeting with his right. wife. Right. At the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. The green and green. Yeah. The gamble yep. house or whatever. Gamble house or whatever the fuck it is. And they're like, you're looking around. And he even he is looking around. He's like, wait a minute. Is this the real joint? Is this the real thing? Right. And then he's like, don't you want to see your kids? Right. Which is what Michael Caine tells him. Right. Another great actor in this movie. Of course, yeah. And he was born, like, he sees the same image that he's been seeing of his kids for a right. long time. It doesn't but see their faces. But they turn around and he sees their faces. Right, right, right. He, he has not seen their faces up until this point. Yeah. Up until this point, yeah. and we're like, but wait a minute. You haven't seen them in years. They should look. They should be older. They should be older. Right. And they don't. Right, right. And then he spins the dreidel. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Yeah. And the whole ja- gag of thing is like if the dreidel stops. stops, then I know it's not – then it's not a dream. Right, right. It but seems it, to kind of wobble. But. Seems to kind of wobble and it's the end of the movie. Right, right. So the point is he's in a dream. I th- Yes. I think and that- it's like the most like – Dan Thrawn ending. Like, oh, this is the it, kind it, of ending I like, love. Of course. You, you have all the ammunition to give because you've, right. you've used an ending like this to define other movies. Absolutely. That, that are like like when we talked about World of the Worlds right. and we talked about a bunch of other films, like it's all a dream. It's right. all a dream. Absolutely. It's all a dream. It's all a dream. It's not, it never actually happened. It's all a dream. Right. This movie actually has all the ammunition and says that exact thing. Right. Right. Like, yeah, it's pretty but, much telling you it's. It's a dream. I believe that. I believe that everything. Uh, like, I don't think it's. It's like I think that it sets up a false judgment about it. Like, I don't think it's bad that it's a dream. I think that what has actually happens to him mm-hmm. is he escapes the dream. I think that like the story of the movie is that he is saved uh, by the crew that came to save him, and he leaves the uh, the house with his kids, and he goes off. Like symbolically, what's happening is 
he's leaving the dream. You are still in the dream. Like the audience is still in the dream and he's left. You know, like you're like as he leaves, but you're he doesn't still, actually wake up. Yeah, like well, that's not like this is like that's not as that's not the important part. That's not the important part. Like the like this the ending to he's, me is he's gotten he's gotten through the cycle. He has gotten he has accomplished what he needed to accomplish in broke, emotionally. Broke the cycle. Right. And the uh and the Which the, is to see his kids right. and Because for me it's like the ending of the, the Truman show. Like and a lot oh. of people got frustrated at the end of the Truman show. Like he leaves and you don't see him outside of the Truman world. I'm like, yeah, exactly. That's his business. Right? Like you don't get to fucking see Truman ever again. That's that's his life to lead. It's not he's not yours anymore. Right. Right? And I feel that that's more or less what happens in the end of Inception is to say like that Cobb is saved and is reunited with the people he loves most. Like I don't think his wife is dead. I don't think that um his you know, like his kids are his kids you know, his kids are probably you know his kids may be, you know, the same age and he's just been stuck in in this coma like dream state or whatever it is but like he goes off to them and lives his life and is saved so that's what i think actually happens at the end of the movie we are the ones that are still left in the dream and when the when the when the uh top wobbles you hear they go like it's going to wobble out and then it cuts because we are out of the dream like the top of course the top fell over top the top falling over it does you don't see it fall over rather you experience it falling over. You wake up. You wake up from the dream. Right. Like you're in the credits now. Right. And like that's the like the movie itself. Like he equates movies and dreaming really, really thoroughly in this movie. And he uses a lot of movie technique and shows you that it's like dreaming. You yep. know, because I think the psycho the psychology of movies and how they work on us is yeah. very dreamlike. Right, mm-hmm. and I think he's really smart to identify that and sort of say like, and to cram these things with these really particular sort of timing-based ideas, as if all this stuff really means anything when it doesn't. Like the only thing that means anything in a movie is whether the movie is self-consistent, not whether it's representing reality. Sure, you know. And so like the uh, so the uh, like once once I was like, you know, what's like because when you, when you try, to, I think that we have an obsession now of like. Um, with trying to make movies work as if they are real things, you know, or containment. Yeah, yeah, just like yeah, well, like well, the people like go on Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever the fuck it is, like you know, Marvel, and just like, but no, but it's suddenly like, you Thanos could blow up a planet like this, and they start comparing this as if you're talking about something that actually happened. Like you're not; it's a story that's made up, right? right. There's no metric for the rules of this thing. Thank you. And so the uh, as long as it's is it's internally consistent for what it's trying to do that's the only important thing that is happening right? right and uh and this movie represents that perfectly because uh it packs it with all this information and ultimately that information doesn't have anything to do with anything it's only with setting up the tension of a t- particular scene and that's more or less it you know like there's nothing like these are the things that we fuss with when the actual movie is about whether or not he can overcome his grief and guilt. Like, that's the thing that's really he happening. He actually says those yeah. exact words. What's your problem? Guilt. Guilt. Yeah. Like, this is the – that's the core of the movie. I think – yeah, I know. But for me, I didn't get enough time to know that, him. Right. Because right. it was constantly – everything was being explained. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's an imperfect it, movie. It doesn't, doesn't pull it off. It, as, everything's being explained and, and, and you're too involved in the heist. Right. Which yeah, is because, contradictory yeah, and like, to that. Right. Well, hold on a second. Go ahead. The heist on other heist movies, you know what the goal is. 
Mm. It's that stack of money or it's when the teller looks the other way, I'm going to grab this right. because it equals this. Right. Yeah. I missed yeah, you, I think the you're, goal you're and, exactly right. and okay. it equals this. I think you're exactly right. The money, the, I'm going to do this. They sh- like, I think the I'm thing- actually, I had to watch this several times to realize like, oh, okay, they did accomplish the heist because I missed it. Right. There because was so much shit the, going on. Because I, I love like what they're trying to do metaphorically in how they ex- execute it, like by putting on this little like the dying father and what's in the safe and all this stuff, which is a complete production. Like that's not – this father is a fucking bastard. To the end, because he was a bastard, for real. Like, there isn't, like, the little, you know, uh, swirly uh, fan in the safe. Like, that doesn't exist. This is a production for Killian Murphy to have an emotional reaction. Um, But, like, so I think that's insanely clever in terms of, like, that's what the audience is going through. Mm -hmm. However, I totally agree with you, Eric, that, like, the, the missing, the only missing element in making this work is that heist movies have uh, a like you said, a goal that's clear and understandable. This is how it's going to change my life. Right. And it's going to change. And instead, this thing is sort of abstract and you have to technical. think about it and, and technical in a sort of like a an undefined way. Right. And so like it doesn't have quite the draw that it should to center the last part of the movie. And so I, I, I that thank you. That, that actually clarifies why that section gets a little lumpy. Also, usually you see what's missing in their life. But mm-hmm. every set piece was like, uh, you know, the Mandarin Oriental Hotel in Tokyo. And it's right. like, oh, that's beautiful. I could stay right. there for a week. And it's like. Well, yeah, this is well, this sort of the interesting thing is that like, I mean, like the places that like, I can imagine that this is. That's James kind of, Bond. Yeah, well, it's also kind of like what Christopher Nolan's life is probably like. Like he's flying around and staying in these weird places and all this kind of stuff. And finally, like his wife or whoever says like, I can't keep on fucking doing this. You know, like, this is ridiculous. I can't live like this. But here's the thing. Do you have sympathy for him or you just don't fucking care? Oh, I mean, for me, I have in, I, uh, I, I like the movie to start with. I love the movie now. And I really, really feel the, the ache at the center of that story is very palpable to me. It wasn't when I first saw it, but like, I, I feel like the, the argument that's being made is really, is a really powerful and very sad one about like, like not being able to forgive yourself for uh, hurting somebody is, is really but you still go on and hurt people. You still, I mean, that's that's what people do, you know. Yeah, you know, and it's like the 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 pain in his like he's begging uh, Mal, you know, awesomely named, you know, like Mal, um, begging Mal to not jump, like please, you know, like he feels the guilt of what has what he has done, you know, that's put her in this mindset. He insane. Yeah, he incepted her, right? Uh, so, or so he believes. And like, even then, like, this is that, like, when it plays out the scene when she jumps, like, 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 this is supposed to be the actual. This is it. This is when she jumped. Why is she on the other building? Like, like she's on the other building outside of the hotel room, which he is in, but he's That's across right. the street. <laughs> like, this is also a dream. This is not what happened. You know, like this is like it's it's another it's just another guilt dream that he's having and that like he has never gotten down to the the core of actually letting go and uh, and until the very end of the movie. And and I think that when when he lets go, he opens up the possibility of reconnecting with the people that he cares about, you know, and so whether or not she's she may be dead, she may be alive. I don't know. But like he can now feel those feelings again, which he was you know essentially blocking himself from feeling because he's afraid of hurting anybody ever again. And I think that like my argument that Ariadne is the leader that is actually doing this is like 
she is like, he's constantly explaining things to her that she seems to already understand. Right. And her name is Ariadne, who is the character in the uh, story of Theseus and the Minotaur. Like Theseus is lost in the maze and Ariadne is the one who walks in with the string and ties the string and walks in with the string and then follows the string back out with him to get him out. Like saves, saves him from this. If I get that myth correct, I believe that's what happens. And, um, and that's what happens to DiCaprio. Like he is, he is the one who's lost in fucking limbo. Yeah. He is running. He, he can't, uh, get back to what he cares about. And then the movie changes because everyone else you know, gets shocked back through the levels, but right. he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, and so like I think the the beauty of that, like, is so much of the movie is set in like places, like I said, like where I imagine make up Chris Nolan's professional life, like airplanes and hotels, you know, and lobbies of, of fancy places, and you know, shit like that. And he has this really nice, very homey house that he imagines, but he is never, he can't even remember going back to. Right. Yeah. And I think it's it's very like that story is very beautiful and very very nicely done. I think he refines his act in later movies. Like I like Interstellar more, but I mean like it is definitely like something that means a lot to him. And as a as a fucking just a great bit of set piece big budget sci-fi, the movie's fucking unstoppable. It's yeah. just like so many great sequences in this thing. And little nods of dream stuff like when he's in Mombasa and he runs down that alley that gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter until oh, you're like Right. Yeah, it's fucking it's like, yeah, that's a dream this is a dream. That's what happens to me in dreams. You know, but you're in the moment of the thing. It seems to make sense for some reason. How you know? great does Ad Astra look? Oh yeah, I've got I can't wait. I can't wait. That's gonna be great. I love that director, James Gray. Yep. Fantastic. Brad Pitt, man. He is Stellar. this is a this is a big year for him. This is a big year. Very excited. Um so I, I had similar problems with this movie that I had with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because, mm-hmm. um, v- well, personally, mm-hmm. because I, I felt like this is a really great idea, but that people are going to misinterpret them. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and clearly uh, on this, in this movie they did. Yeah. They did not see – and I think because it, it's like playing off like a heist film, which is very like, you, okay, I know the ride I'm going on. Right. But it's really a much more esoteric – Yeah, the, the heist film aspect is sort of like the patter that a good sleight of hand magician does. Right. You know, that's but the thing like, you're paying attention to but like when the trick is going But like if you Eternal going. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which – can actually be seen as a heist film a little bit. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Right, I get you. But it does it in a much more like weird psychological way. Yeah. This film does not come off as a psychological film. Right. It's mostly going along the heist. It's an action film. As an action Total film. Total action film, yeah. But it's an action film before a heist film. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Because the stakes for the heist aren't really documented. Aren't yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, so right, it's right. really an action film. Yeah. And but But it's – also, uh, a weird psychological thriller. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like all it, it roots all of its all of its action scenes and all of its uh, all like all of its set pieces. So the problem in is psychological ideas about the like, characters. You know, as you know, if this was Heat, it was like, okay, here's the goal, here's the thing, here's the thing, blah blah blah, right. and it's great, and you're into it. Yeah. But this was like. What happens in that limbo state, mm-hmm. not to, to, to 
to use that pun, but there is a limbo state in this thing where like, is this uh, this kind of movie or this kind of movie? Right. Is that people are like, this is a really smart movie and all this stuff. It's like, because all the explanations they give for things that really are much more personal esoteric right. things. Right. They're giving hard line definitions. Yeah, this them. is how it is, right? In a dream, 20 minutes in the dream equals right. one minute outside in the real world. Like, what? Yeah. How how do you measure no, that? No, like and, and then the other thing is like I'm just gonna push this button. You can be in the middle of an of a of a fucking van flying down the freeway. Right. right. I'm gonna push this button. Everyone's gonna go to sleep at the same time. Right. 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 Wait. What? See now the thing is like if you if I if I say I had a dream in which by going dream, dreaming in a dream in a dream. Then everything slowed down by 20%. And there was a guy and he drove a van and there was a button that made us all go to sleep. Like you're like, that's a fucked up dream. That's crazy. And in the dream that I had, all of that would seem legitimate. Right? Like all those rules and all that shit that sure. you see. Like, and that's where I think the movie is actually playing. Like the movie is like the movie itself is, is a fucking dream. Like of course it seems like it has rules. You're in it. You know, but there are no rules. It is a dream. Ultimately, it is a dream. Right. You know? But do you think that's also just helps you in the filmmaking process so you can just cover up holes? Absolutely. And I think it's probably why he also relates it to filmmaking because he call, he calls it out like like there's no explanation of why we're in a fucking uh, but, you know, patisserie in Paris. Like we don't know how we got here and it's not going to be explained. Like, there's no reason for why I'm... He does that very well. Yeah. And that so he, scene is perfect. Oh, it's, and it's fantastic. Oh, the They're boxes like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah and like all... Like, one of my favorite gags is in at the end of the chase in Mombasa, like, uh, um, fucking... Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, Sato just shows up and hits that dude with the car door, right? As if there's any reason for him to be here or be there at that time or be in the city at all. But we accept it because it was fucking cool. Right. And so you know, like, he slams the dude with the car door and goes, hey, you need a ride? We're like, oh, yeah. And like, if you think about it there for a second, that doesn't make that's any so sense. That's so A-team, though. Oh, it's totally. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's such a gag. It's such a movie gag. And the thing is we buy it because it's fun, right. not because it makes any sense. And it just rolls by. And I was just like, that literally doesn't make any sense at all. Like there's no reason for him to be here. There's no way that he could do this. This couldn't be organized. It's just a it's just a movie moment, and it's also in a dream, which is why it, it occurs to us. There's another interesting part of it that I remember is especially when he goes to the guy and he says, you know, all these people are like in in the, basically he has a whole room of people that that pay to be sedated, oh yeah to yeah be in a dream yeah I eat. rather be in a dream state than be in the real life right which is which is like you know it's like drugs. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's YouTube, <laughs> and it's movies, and yes, it's like and oh, it's YouTube and yeah, it's movies. Yes, yeah. like this this is like you're paying to do this. Like you want to go and have a fucking weird dream experience with a bunch of other people. Yeah. You know that's what you're that's what you're in the theater for. You're there to imagine like this is all real. There's and a lot not. of you know going in a sweat lodge with a bunch of Native Americans. This and, is what's happening, man, and uh, and experience that right. instead of real life, right? Right. And like, and I think that there's something hoping like, that somehow you're going to find some fucking meaning in your life. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the, the, I, I wonder what Chris Nolan thinks about people arguing over the literalism of this movie when like, I don't think this movie is literal at all. Ultimately. That's a good point. You know, 
I, I do. I do. I, I don't argue about the literalism of the movie mm-hmm. because I think you're right. That's debatable and uh, inconsequential. Yeah, it's just. You know, I it's argue the about the people that try to think that they have it all right. figured out. Well, I mean, like, and certainly, I mean, like we were talking about with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like you said, like the, like I, that is an ongoing debate. Uh, and it seems more and more of an ongoing debate, uh, both in my mind and I think for right, for everyone right now is like, what is the responsibility of filmmakers to let you in on anything? Like, it's your experience, you know, like, it's just like, when, when, at what point does this become irresponsible? Like we said last time, Yeah, you know? I felt it to be irresponsible because no, there, there, there I still, I still stand by that. Mm-hmm. Um, Tarantino? Yeah. I still stand by it. Right. Because I think there is I, – I agree that at some point you're like the audience should – you know, has a responsibility to to educate themselves about it. Yeah. Uh, but, like- but at the same time, like you can't it's, – it's irresponsible to take a story, a page of history that is – obscure enough that people won't right look into it themselves right yeah and like and I don't necessarily feel that way about once upon a time in hollywood but I definitely I can understand that being a thing I can imagine that there's now, a line if, where I would be if, uncomfortable if, with if, it. if he made a if he made a film I, I'm, it's a terrible example mm. but it's the only one I can think of where basically like instead of adolf hitler like killing himself in the bunker adolf hitler came out of the bunker and said you know what I should do I said, free all the Jews from the concentration camps, <laughs> right. Right? right? Right, right, right. So if you if if that was a movie, right. clearly, a lot of people know that Adolf Hitler didn't do that, right? And that would be funny and ironic and weird and 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 and, and bizarre filmmaking, right. Right? right? But he did that with Sharon Tate, who most people most don't know. people don't know that right. history, so. Right. He has a responsibility to teach people that history before. Didn't I say that last week that it was irresponsible? That's yeah, what, this is what that, was my, that was my point. Yeah, like I mean, so that was I, my point. I, like, right? So yeah, no, I, last week though I said it was irresponsible that they they didn't you know out of disrespectful is what right. I felt. No, yes, no, no, and no, I agreed with you right. on that. No, I disagreed with you both on this, but I do see your do see what you're talking about for right. sure. And like the and I, I I don't know what the line for me would be, but I understand what the I I understand the idea you're getting across for sure. Sure. And I think that the uh and and not, you know it's not I don't think it's a surprise to anybody who's heard me talk about anything that like the that that line is probably in the far distance for me. Like sure. I am I am I'm per- I'm very comfortable with people being uncomfortable in movies, uh, yeah, no, including agree, my, especially including myself. I agree. And so the uh, but the but I do think it is uh, like I guess the ultimately the the thing the thing that I I my my feeling about it isn't decided so much by how much responsibility a filmmaker has to inform people of stuff that is debatable. You know, sort of like on uh, instance to instance, whatever that we're talking about. But I, I definitely, uh, I think there's, there's, there is a recognizable amount of control over what you have, what of over what, uh, of what kind of control do you have over what people think, uh, you meant 
you know, is zero. Like you can't control what people think about from watching your thing. Like you can control the information that gets to them. Okay. But what they think about it, it's, it's up to them. I, and there's no way to, I get no, it. And, I, know. And, and I've thought about this a lot because obviously like, you know, I, we had a, we had a big fight. <laughs> it was a good one. It was so a good feisty one. one. Feisty one. It was a good one. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, if you let's let's go back to Tarantino and that and that aspect. It's like a lot of people love Tarantino films, mm-hmm. not because they are good movies. Oh yeah, I agree completely. They love Tarantino because they want to see blood and gore and violence which is to me slightly ironic because like you take something like inglorious bastards the actual uh, like screen time of violence is probably less than seven minutes i understand you know but it makes a big impact as it is in uh, in in uh you know once upon a time right exactly but it's very impactful when it does happen so it stays so he delivers Mm -hmm. to that audience right which is a bunch of goons who wants to Sure. Quick question: What what do you consider violence? I, well, I don't know. It's I suppose because Nazi outfits are violent. Well, like I the would imagery say, like, behind well, the Nazi well, okay, well, okay, is okay, I can put brackets around it. Like the the kind of people. Like I put Chris, my foot here and the and, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the kind of people that Chris is trying to uh, identify here uh, are think of violence in terms of. Uh, represent- representations of physical violence. Yes. Okay. Like, I mean, certainly, like, there's offensive things and offensive concepts and all that stuff, and people yeah. can consider that violence if they would like to consider it violence. But, like, hitting someone in the face with a baseball bat, like, that's what turns some audience members on for him. And they love it. And they love it. And I love it. Like, I also love it. I don't think I love it for necessarily the same reasons that some of this crew loves it for. Right. You know, and so that gets into the realm of like how, say, the, uh, and I won't steer too political, but it's like the, how, because of the, uh, the sad things that have happened in the United States, you have, um, uh, the, uh, the Republican Party is trying to pin this on, say, video games. Like, oh, well, there's lots of terrible violence because of violent video games. And I'm like, I don't think that people that play video games who like run around and shoot people in whatever, Fortnite, like, the kind of kick they're getting out of that is different from the kick that people who are murderously insane get out of playing Fortnite. Like someone who plays Fortnite, who is a no. uh, who is a killer, it, 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 <laughs> is, all, is entertained in a different it, way. It's a stupid argument, and right. there's several ways you can refute it. One, if if video games violence was actually a direct correlation towards people murdering people on the street, then the streets of Seoul, Korea would be, be running with, with blood. Running. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's very true. Two, an- very another true. thing is also, uh, you know, the people that actually committed those mass murders mm-hmm. within the United States in the last few weeks were not necessarily quoting video games. They were quoting the president of the United States. Yeah. So, so that may lead you in a direction to figure out why they did this. They things. were quoting these things because they were directed right. by a specific political figure right. that that is their enemy and that's what you, right. who they should kill. Right. So, but wait a minute. One of them was a Democrat. No, like these, like like we doesn't, doesn't make any difference. Doesn't make like any these, difference. Like these are. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that 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 the Democrats are immune to this. Yeah, idea no, it's either. only like the the extremity of political discourse yes. is actually more dangerous than video games. Absolutely, but, but, uh, video actually, games <laughs> in a sense, and the violence in movies and uh, Quentin Tarantino is not to blame. Right, uh, Fortnite is not to blame. Right. 
and 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 uh, and all of those things. Right. And yes, one of them was. But but people going out of their way, on both the Democrats and Republicans going out of their way, especially the president, to heighten the extremity of political discourse into such conflict that people who are unstable think it's a good idea to kill people. That's dangerous. That's actually dangerous. Right. Like we have a mental health issue, without a doubt, in this country that no one seems to really like. It's like it's got to be front and center. Like that's like I like, and which I also no. blame on Reagan. But the uh, however, you're, you're probably right you know, on that. Like the, but the point is, it's not it front is, and center. It is like that is that's yes, I want gun control. Right. But in that same breath, I want to hear that we need to have a national health. Right. This is and I think nobody this is, talks about it on well, any they, yeah, channels. Instance, like the, of like what you're saying, like there's like you just said, it. it's like there is a clear middle ground that can be talked about there. Because both these things are true. We have now entered a moment in the podcast where we talk about politics. This is it. It's only going to last for 20 seconds more. So like the but – the, but, but it's the – like that requires people to talk to one another and, uh, and actually talk about these ideas and problems like with respect towards one another and say, OK, so mental health issues, yes, you're correct. That is absolutely a giant problem. And when you mix it with unregulated gun sales, it's a disaster. So – Let's talk about these two problems together because they create a single problem. But that's not what's done. What's done is heightening the uh, the discourse till it's dangerous, and that's what happens. Video games and movies don't do this. Like, they're not part of that discussion. And so when, when Tarantino does uh, his stuff, like, the thing that really bothers me isn't the Tarantino or the movies. It's the fact that the people, the the, the folks that like that sort of violence just for the surface level fun of the violence, you know, the exhilaration of the violence in his movies, they fetishize it so hardcore that they, uh, uh, become a distasteful gross group unto themselves that keeps people from watching Tarantino's movies as if they're richly written works of art. And so the people that, and so essentially the people that would, really enjoy his films for saying something don't look at them as it in that way because they look at these noisy sort of jock nerds uh, i go i don't want to be part of that crew and i'm not going to pay attention to their shitty movies and then they don't think about it as art at all and that's a drag because all these movies are definitely very well thought through and are very interesting mm-hmm. and like and like now when we said last time like tarantino is First and foremost, a provocateur, and it's not surprising that people fight over his stuff, you know. And we're included in that, you know. Like, um, but uh, you know, his movies are uh, meant to be confrontational, and they're meant to uh, sort of entertain hugely, and then use that the fact that that's entertaining as part of his dialogue with the audience on a deeper level. And I think that's fascinating, but. The probably where we're at sort of in terms of how we perceive art and work with art as an audience, that dialogue rarely happens nowadays. Like people want movies to be very straightforward and easily digestible and non-confrontational. And that to me is boring. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing worse to me. And there's no greater offense in film than being boring. And that is my, that's my great problem. It's like, what are we asking for? Do we want things not to shock our systems? Mm-hmm. Like, do we want things to be uninteresting so we don't fight? Like, that's silly. Like, we should, we should engage in this stuff and let it challenge us. That's what art 
is best at, you know? And so like, that's the, that's the th- stuff with like uh, Tarantino for sure with Nolan. It's more of just a symptom of how, sh- just how shallowly we look at movies, you know, just like we have, we have cornered ourselves into a kind of artistic discourse where it's like, you know, I have to find a way to fanboy this and be really sort of, uh, you know, what was the otaku? I'm not sure what the word is like fetishistically appreciating how the, the construction of a thing to the point of alienating everybody, you know, and spoiling everybody's fun. Yeah. It's a drag. It's a total drag. Like Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, you know, Tarantino movies, uh, Nolan movies. Do we do that on the podcast? I'm sure I, I'm sure I'm I'm sure I must I'll say that I'm sure I must in some way but it's like it's such a it's such I mean, a difficulty. honestly speaking because I've had this this conversation where in my with myself was like do we fetishize 70s films <laughs> for instance <laughs> no you know what we do and mm-hmm. Eric is actually a, 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 because Eric I think really keeps us in balance in a mm-hmm. lot of ways mm-hmm. um, uh, balance and Eric is yeah, what, what is it you, you may find that ironic. <laughs> I find it beautiful. But it is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Because what you do is you bring culture and history to every point that we do. Oh, agreed. Completely. Right? So so whenever we talk about things like, okay, well, he did this at this time and he was this low. And you, 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 you balance it out by like – this is what was going on at this time. Right. History is a big part of your uh, well. That, yes, but I appreciate that because I'm. Uh, I, that's all I do is read history, mm-hmm. and I think what's missing in the audience is they don't respect history. Thank mm-hmm. you. There is no respect for history right. because, um, you, like I said, you, you were talking about Tarantino and the violent f- scenes, but for many people, the symbolism of the outfits were very forceful mm-hmm. and they were meant to scare you. This, right. The swastikas and the cuts of the outfits right. more than the Mussolini's you know, goofy outfits for his right. folks. But that's violent. And for many people, those are violent images. Absolutely. Sure. And so you can say essentially the whole movie is violent. But when you go in to make a Nazi movie and you're not Jewish mm-hmm. and you're running the script by Eli Roth, it's just like that already is, you know, it's – it's it's sensationalism. It's you know what it is. It's like what's his name that was crazy and uh, Peck and Paul with no sense of history. <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it. Sure, you know? sure, sure. Because and it's it's that's too bad. Right. But history is uh, uh, gives you a sense of empathy mm-hmm. and and other things that is missing in the art because then it just becomes fan or porn. Mm-hmm. Yep, I hear you. Yeah, hear and you. and and there's nothing wrong with porn. Like seventies porn is great. This mustache has been oh, yeah. fantastic. But I'm joking, of course. But <laughs> I'm um, not kidding did, about the mustaches. Didn't you watch Tron? <laughs> Ended up being behind yeah. the green door. Behind the green door. That was my brother. That was my well, and, and uh, I, I love that you bring up uh, Peckinpah. Peckinpah is a favorite of mine, and like he is the kind of filmmaker. Now, obviously, I love Tarantino like to my heart's content. But like, but Peckinpah, we would definitely agree. Like that is the kind of filmmaker that I, I would would be burned alive today like like that guy it was not an acceptable 
kind of personality for today. And uh, like you see, uh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia or uh, Straw Dogs or yeah. uh, or, 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 or uh, what's the famous, the Incredible Western? What's the name of it? Um, Magnificent. Ma- no, no. Um, uh, with Ernest Borgnine and uh, William Holden. And, and oh uh, God, not the Untouched. No, it's fucking. It's the. It's one of the great westerns. Yes, yeah. um, <laughs> it's embarrassing that I can't think of the name right at the top of my head. I've seen it a million times. But you know, like these movies are really, really challenging movies, and they are like, like he walks out and says, "Fuck you." <laughs> like fuck you and your ill thought through concepts. Yeah. Like and he is so he does not give a shit. Do you think in the grand his- scheme of things in like 50 years from now Tarantino be remembered is kind of the last Hollywood director but he was really just reflecting of the era that was gone. Uh yes and no. I think he's nostalgic. For in, sure. Yeah, I don't think in the same way. Like, I think that, like, I think that he's going to be thought of along the same lines as, like, uh, Hitchcock. I think he's about. Mm, yeah. No. Like, he's, like, I think he's, a, like, first of all, like, I think he's a, like, he is, uh, Hitchcock has. He'll be an important filmmaker, but I don't know if he'd be a Hitchcock. He's oh, not well, it depends upon what. Yeah, like, it depends on the way you look at it. It depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I see like, what you're for, for, for most of Hitchcock's career, he's rather just a straightforward journeyman technician. He's great. And it's really great. Mm-hmm. 40, uh, you know, 39 steps and stuff like that. 39 steps. Just, you know, really, foreign agent? You know, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no. Um, not foreign In agent. In Holland? Foreign correspondent. Yeah. Um, the windmill stuff is great. Like, he's just an incredible technician. Great, great stuff. Um, it's only in his last few movies that suddenly he becomes this fucking radical artist. You know, like. Well, no, the 50s. If, uh, the, yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, in the 50s, he'd already been directing for 30 years, you know? Yeah, but so, I'm like, saying not the last few. The last, but like, the last, like, the big pictures for him, obviously, the birds, uh, Psycho, uh, Psycho's. Unbelievable. Uh, Vertigo, one of the North very best Northwest. films. North by Northwest. Um, and uh, and, uh, uh, but, uh, and and for me, one of my favorite ones that everyone hates is uh, his last picture. Um, Marnie. Uh, not Marnie. Um, uh, Frenzy. Oh, and yeah. Frenzy and Paul is Newman? fucking terrifying. No, it's um, – no, that's that's Torn Curtain. Torn Curtain. Um, no, Frenzy is, the, is this weird British – it's a dirty, nasty movie. And it's it's brutal and amazingly amazingly shockingly beautifully done, um, and nobody likes it because it's it's against type for Hitchcock. Like so, it's, it's got nudity and it's graphic and it's like it's an ugly movie, um, but it's one of his best movies. And because he started to drop the Hollywoodness of what he was selling, mm. he was really breaking into doing something else. And uh, and it's that set of movies where he lived long enough to like he turned his journeymanness into. Um, a technique for art and for him and his wife for, for to produce real art that is thoughtful uh, and uh, and challenging and disturbing. Like Vertigo is a disturbing movie. It's not it's shot like it's a Hollywood romance, but it's one of the most weird fucking movies ever made. And I think that well, like Tarantino can't match him in terms of um, like Tarantino stands on the shoulders of that giant for sure, right? Yeah, but and, like the the relatability. With the audience that that what's his name had oh, okay. Hitchcock had like you're not he, Tarantino has a fan base but he's not pulling in all walks of life. No, no, he's not. He, in fact, like, and I think that like he is like I think that most of his fan base doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about at all. Like, yeah. Oh, I agree. I, like I think that that Tarantino is working on a, on a very like Tarantino is 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 not what he appears to be. Tarantino is a is a formalist and he is a he is a classicist and he is a uh, 
He is a he is a modernist, but he's hiding it in this uh, in these totally uh, modern terms and these uh, rather uh, postmodern terms. Yeah, I actually know? think Chris Nolan mm-hmm. is a closer Hitchcock than yes. Tarantino in in raw execution. Absolutely, I I don't think that like I don't think that Hitch I don't I, Chris Nolan has not yet gotten. To I mean I, I say this with total respect because I think he's a great he's a master master filmmaker, but he hasn't made something like Vertigo. Like Vertigo is like no, that's but, fucked but, up. But, but I I see that happening. Okay, yeah. so like M Night Shyamalan has like aspired to yeah. be, it's, and he's a good filmmaker. He's well, at no, the, he's a uh, terrible filmmaker. No, he's made a couple of very good movies. I will I will go to bat for his good movies. You know, reasonably, he's, he's made a lot of bad his, movies. His ego got yes. a, a way ahead of him. Uh, uh, definitely agreed. Definitely. Uh, so, anyway, yeah. But like, uh, th- that's the thing. It's like Nolan's movies. You know, to talk about Inception, yeah. uh, is like he has a core romantic o- honesty to, and it's a very simple thing he's saying. It's just like this is a melancholy story, right. and it's like, and it's a love story, and it's about, uh, and it, and it's about dealing with grief and like all these very, yeah, very straightforward big emotions. Right, sure. You know, like there's no real villain in Inception. It's just he's trying to get over his own shit. Like that's basically what the but the it heart... got too complicated. It, it like the execution gets too complicated. Right, because I don't think Hitchcock would would execute. Like, Hitch- yeah, like Hitchcock is complex, and what he's talking about is fucking dirty and weird, and he makes you feel dirty and weird yeah, for but watching. Hitchcock it. has a finesse. Oh yeah, it's very classy. He's very classy, and that's how he tricks you. He's sort of the reverse of Tarantino, actually. Like, like Tarantino has these very sort of like, I think, very sort of um, not very, like very wholesome things to say and talk about. But he's using a classlessness to get there. Whereas right. Hitch, Hitchcock is the reverse, where he's like, "Come on in. It's a beautiful restaurant with you. Everyone has to dress nice." And when you leave the theater, you're like. What the fuck happened to me? Like in Vertigo, I mean, even The Birds, which is a very light movie by comparison. Mm-hmm. Like by the end of The Birds, you feel like you've been through an apocalypse. You know, like a they, weird, yeah, like it's this weird spiritual apocalypse that yeah. happened. You know, and even though the movie starts off like it's a lighthearted fucking, you know, Rod, you know, Rod Taylor you know, uh, rom com. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it ends up with this fucking blasted image of hopelessness. And like that's not something you normally do as a top filmmaker, you know. Right. Like this utter bleakness, or uh, and of course like uh, in Frenzy and uh, even Rear Window, Rear Window, which plays like the funniest, most charming, you know. Like look at all these fucking Grace Kelly and this is like the chatter between uh, uh, Jimmy Stewart and his right. uh, his masseuse and it's hilarious. This dude is a peeping tom and he's weird. Like maybe we make a movie about some dude who's like, like you know, like you know, uh, got his lights on and is uh, having fun while he's looking at other people's windows. Right. And he's admi- he's telling you this is what you're doing. You're watching a movie. Like you are a pervert. You know. And so right. Hitchcock is actually very related to say David Fincher, who says yes. people are perverts, and I want to make movies about how people are perverts. Yeah. So and- there's a lot of mm, yes. Yeah, Fincher is actually another good example. Yeah, Fincher, Fincher and Hitchcock. There's a lot of relationships there. Yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I do want to get back to Eric's impressions of uh, Inception, mm-hmm. having seen it uh, for the first time recently. For this, like what? 
what were your some of your thoughts behind this? Well, I think we covered some of them. I I, I honestly feel like um, I feel like it's uh, like I, I was saying earlier. If it was a heist film, I didn't know the stakes. I yep. didn't see that pile That's of cash. I didn't know that he needed cash. And I didn't know what he would do with the cash after. Right. right and like, usually you get that in some heist film. It's like my life would change this way. Right. I'm really kind of fucked. And kind of like the uh, album we talked about when I came like in the one door. One last gig, one last gig. Yeah, but, but that like, means shit. But, but That's that, like that saying shit. You're right. right. Exactly. It's like saying, yeah, right. you know, focus your scope, dude. It's like yeah, because like who the, cares? In, in a regular heist film, like what you're saying the is like, are like he can see his kids. Yeah, exactly. He and like and that, but that emotional half is there. But like the 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 clear symbol of like, say, if you're watching, I don't know get fucking any heist movie at all but it's just like you know like in heat for instance it's really really clear this they keep on saying the one line just like never have anything in your life Mm -hmm. that uh you can't drop uh if there's the heat around the corner so drop it in 30 seconds or you're fucked right and what happens at the end of the movie he's fucked like because he's, but he drops it but he gets twisted in that thing yeah like because he, he he thinks he's dropped it all but because he's with like he's with the uh, uh, what's her face, and they're driving away, and then tunnel of light, and everything is fucking perfect for De Niro, but he can't let go of one thing, and which is Wayne Grow. Like he's just like I gotta fucking do Wayne Grow, and he waits one second too long, and he fucks himself, and he's dead, and you know that. It's just like that's the movie told you it three times, and you see him fuck it up because he's and it's like he I'm gonna go I, I'm gonna go do this thing. Gets himself into trouble, and he comes down, and he's standing in front of the car, in front of Amy, uh, what's her face, and he waits and waits Irving? and waits and waits, and not Irving, Amy, she had the show on TV. Matheson, anyway. um, um, Amy, but he is looking at her, trying she to. She was decide. married to Spielberg. Oh, Amy Irving was, yeah, um, but this is Amy Brenneman. Yes, and uh, and so he's looking at Amy, Amy Brenneman, and then he's looking away, he's looking back at her, and it literally goes for thirty-one seconds before he runs. And then he dies. No surprise. You know, like you, the movie makes it very clear, but Inception doesn't make it very clear. That's the, this is the, what you're saying. It's like the, the single, like if A, then B, then, then you know what happens. Instead, the central gag is like this very complex metaphorical stage play. And you're like, what the? Well, what's yeah. supposed to happen here? Well, <laughs> like, like, for example, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I came through the door tonight, mm-hmm. I I was put on a song. I said, "This is such a beautiful album because it's Bruce Springsteen's Darkness at the Edge of Town." Yep. Incredible. Excuse me. And I said, you know, apparently he, crying, he was, just he was yawning. He was basically. He said, "I want to write an album about a guy going nowhere mm-hmm. and going fast." Like he's going nowhere fast, and then he that does was that the pre- and he builds the whole structure right. based Have off of that. Have you listened to Telegraph Road by Dire Straits? I Same. bought that cassette on the side of a road in Spain, my friend, <laughs> on the way to Sevilla, <laughs> getting off really a bus, exactly, having a Fanta yeah, Naranja, and is, saying, "Wow, I got to get this." That That's is right. the plot of that song. Yep. Is about some guy Telegraph Road getting on, out of. And if town. you hear that song, and uh, the uh, oh, the money, money, that's Private Dancer. Uh, pr- oh, private dancer. He wrote yeah, private. You he wrote. And I were talking about he wrote that. private dancer, but it sounded so much like this love over money. Yeah, same thing right. as I'm a private dancer. Right. So he gave it to Tina Turner. I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna go see Mark Knopfler. I'm going to Santa Barbara soon to see. Yeah. Are you gonna go to Santa Barbara? What you are? 
Yes. No. No, my God. Oh, me up. too. Can't believe Asshole. it. Can you guys give me a red? That was pretty good, wasn't <laughs> it? Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> go to Santa Barbara to see Mark Knopfler. I have not seen Mark Knopfler yet. He's one of my I heroes. saw him in 84, 85. Oh, man. I would definitely like to have seen him then. Which is when uh, Dreamscape came out. That is one year <laughs> one year after. And uh, and it could have, yeah. Maurice Jarre, pretty good score. Mark Knopfler would have killed that score. Well, let's just say By the that. way, it's not Jarre. It's Jarre. I know, but I'm not going to Frenchify it. I'm bad at but that. But why are you adding extra syllables? It's that, that you would... I could say Jar. Mar- Maurice Jar. That I sound, that Jean. I sound, yeah. yeah. Jean Michel Jarre. Jean Michel Jarre. Yeah, I yeah. can do that. It's just, That's it's, his son. It's, it's an extra sandbag. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand why people add the A at the end it's of it. It's because it has a thing on it. No, there's no thing on there's it. There's a thing on the end of that one. No, there is not. I don't know. I can't tell. I don't know. Last time I looked at his stuff. Whatever. Uh, but so the, with uh, Inception, I, I do agree. I, I, I sense that that is a flaw. I still love the rest of the movie, but I, I think that's. Uh, the weakness in the movie we agree on. Uh, what are what are the things you liked? What are the things that you that you like most? I, I love the the. Well, first of all, a lot of it was like either uh, seven in the rainy downtown. I felt oh, yeah. like it's the same. It's shot in the same sim- block. I know <laughs> seven rainy downtown. Explain that one. It was the same scene, same setup. Honestly, sometimes I look at movies. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, they did. They had to come back and um, deal with the unions. So they right. shot downtown. Right, with uh, Seven is one of the best uh, redresses of a city I've ever seen. Like that is, if you don't know LA, it's you think it's Chicago. That's a really beautiful redress. Like because they like it's like they repainted everything. They shoot it with mud and rain and everything. it's just insane. And I know for when I when I didn't live here, I thought I swore that was like Chicago. Really, really nicely done. But it is basically the same block they shot the the fucking yes. Scene on. So a lot of that I felt like. Um, it was hard for me to grasp the characters mm-hmm. because there were so many people in and out. Right. Yeah, and it was like, who'd you like though? I always liked Leonardo. I've loved him yeah. since uh, Gilbert Grape. When yeah. I saw that in the theater, I, was I actually like, we also liked uh, Gordon Levitt's. Uh, Jason yeah. Gordon Levitt did that one movie that I love so much, and I keep forgetting the name. Five Hundred Days of Summer. No, he did uh, the one. Brick. No. Oh, no. The one we talk about all the time. Lookout. Third track. Lookout. <gasps> Fucking great. Third movie. Rock from the Sun. No. Third rock that's from one of my Sun. favorite Kill. movies, The Lookout. The I lookout. even have the script of that. Uh, he's a really good actor. Yeah, that movie awesome. is, we should watch. That is such the a lookout beautiful film. Tip top. It's a heist film with, uh, it's, and he is so damn good. Yeah. yeah. That's a real, that's a real like fun it. though. There's a lot of great acting in this. A lot of great directing. Again, all of those things are good. But. If you have no sympathy or if you, if you can't clat, you know, hook onto a character, then it's basically, you know, those, uh, those, uh, Fast and Furious. Oh, I agree. I really connected to DiCaprio's love story, though. I, that really, really I got I did, me. but it's so mashed up with all the crap, which may be bad design. Sure. You know, like, uh, certainly, like I said so before, like, like, it didn't feel it until maybe so the like, third or fourth. Like, I actually sat there and I, you know, listen, I, I am, I'm somewhat stupid. I know. I mean, no, I don't. But stupid. I sit there and I listen to this and I watch the movie and I'm like, Lo, I want to go through the logic of it because they keep talking about the logic of the heist thing. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's actually really hard to do. Yeah. And I, and I watched it again, like, like I said, multiple times to just get through the ending. Right. To like try to like figure it out. Yeah. The ending's choppy. I, I just got to say it. Like, that's, like, I think choppy. the thing is that you pointed out earlier – is that 
when they're like, okay, guys, put the, you know, they were like Lou Reed, like putting shit in their arm and like leaning back. You know? right, and right, it's right, like, right. really? It was like, quickly, everybody. You yeah, know, yeah. it's like, what? It's just, just the vision of that is right. goofy. Right. Yeah. It's like, I got a dialysis machine. Everybody jump on it. <laughs> right. right. My kidneys suck. It's like, what? Why? He's got the, right. the briefcase thing. It just kind of throws you out visually. Right. Yeah, Whereas that, if you can just do one layer. And mm-hmm. stay with that, but he knows that maybe they are in the second layer, but he doesn't tell them yeah, something. Then you question, well, why do you deserve to be with your wife right. and child again when you're fucking everybody but, else? But they're going four or five layers deep. It's so mm-hmm. hard to follow. And then by the end, she's like, no, we got to go one more layer. And then we got to do all the- Because the, if we go to the, another all, place, you you remember you're that? We just going to walk our way through the layers to wake ourselves up. They and said then, that and in- And the, they actually yeah. walk like- and. Honestly speaking, I've seen this movie many times mm-hmm. and like it wasn't to like, okay, what the fuck? I actually like to watch it because there's so much stuff going on because of the editing, right? Right. There's gunshots going on. There's elevator bombs going on. Yeah. There's like, I'm d- I'm completely vans down. The, dropping in yeah, the like, thing. I love the everything is I love happening. the van and I love the no, I understand. Uh, yeah, like uh, well, this, this wait, first wait, wait, two wait. Just, just quickly just in the third act. act. All of this stuff is happening. Right. You're like, what? And then I realized, and it took me like four or five times to watch the movie to realize, like, her, the architect, mm-hmm. is the only one that they can that they suddenly show. They don't even make a big deal of it. It, it took me five times to realize that she, you walk her through waking up all the levels. Yes, right, right. You know what it was right. like, but obviously, you like, know what it reminded me of. Go ahead, Chris Marker films. Sure. Who yeah. is Chris Marker? Yeah, yeah. He did uh, La Jeté. La Jeté. Oh, La Jeté. La Jeté. Where you use <laughs> contemporary buildings, but you're trying to imply something else, another worldly. Right. Like that modern architecture. Draw, yeah, yeah. And that was this, that's what I felt. You guys missed it. Mm-hmm. But in the scene when they were in downtown LA, he turns to them in the car and he's like, we have to go through this part mm. because we get the tax credits with the union. And you could, be, but he turned back to drive, and he said that, and I was like, he says oh, it in French. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, I love the. Uh, Why are we here I, for the tax credits with the unions? <laughs> then we're going to go to a really cool beach, and then the guy's like, his hand on his shoulder driving, he says, right, "Let's right, go to right. the cool beach." Right. right. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I would say that I love. I think that's I, true. I love the. Um, I, I really I love this movie through and through. I I think of the I love the design, I love the characters, I love the 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 production design is great and I production love the, is beautiful. And it's it, like it's and it's a, it is a uh I would say that he would probably the music is amazing. I love the main love story. I think it's really great and very painful. And uh and for like I I agree with the flaw that we, that the flaws we're pointing at. I I they it sort of fades for me because I love so much about the movie that the, yeah. the, that stuff just goes away. Completely understandable. Um, but like the uh, and the stuff that works works like fucking gangbusters. Like it's like the the connection between the um, the hallway fight and the van. Like that's working great. Like this the James Bond snow ski stuff. That was dumb. There's, there's just too much of it. It's just way too much of it for me. Um, the movie gets back on its feet by the time we're out of there. The movie's totally back on its feet emotionally for me, and I buy the entire ending, and I think it's wonderful. Um, and uh, now when I watch the thing, I'm just like – I'm basically just watching That was it like forward. Force 10 from Navarone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. But like the, the core love story with, um, uh, with his wife is fucking shatteringly beautiful and incredibly sad. And the ending is uh, – I think is, is sort of 
it's interesting that people, uh, like we said, like misread it and like it's some intellectual gag when it's just an emotional event. Like he, he is healed and that's the end of the movie. And, uh, and part of me wishes that more people would watch it that way. But I also like that Nolan for as much as he's bombastic in the rest of the movie, he pulls his foot off the gas pedal a little bit and lets that just sort of sit there. Like that's a, that's a, it was the, it was the right thing to land on because he could have just told you and then it would have spoiled the, the feeling of it. And I think the feeling of the thing is what you want to land on. Yes. A hundred percent agree. Uh, and you know, I, I, you know, I, you know, like I said on, on once upon time, Hollywood, I feel like the audience deserves a better explanation. Mm-hmm. In this one, I agree with you that the, lack the 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 opacity of the explanation is actually at the right opacity right? sure right you right. know like you 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 need to get people to go like oh wait what right and then actually think a little bit like that's right. the that's one of the things good filmmaking should let you go back and go like oh that was interesting yeah exactly like i didn't know why that worked but it worked you know right. that kind of stuff and i, I don't want that, to get that out of you know Hobbs and Shaw, but I do sure. want to get that out right. of something else. But it's like you want like things to end like like the, the one of the great endings of all time. Uh, Eric, I'm sure you agree with me on this one. Is the third the ending of the third man? Yeah. Like when uh, when she, you see her walk all the way up the road up to Joseph Cotton, and then she keeps walking, and the shots like you know like you know three and three and a half minutes long, and you just go and, like all, I every know, time. Did, 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 I have his did, tie. I told you that. Ron said, oh Eric, I'm sure you're going to agree with me that because he assumed that I would. Not no, because like, this is exactly Eric's kind of movie. I imagine the third man is your kind of movie. I love because uh, Orson. I'm a huge, yeah. I'm a yeah. huge Orson Welles fan since uh, yeah. I was a little yeah. kid. So fucking I have good. Joe Cotton's so, tie. Why, why That's am I not his favorite tie? Yeah, you you have like a, like what when wow. I think of no 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 when I think of you I think of Jacques Tati. Like and I, I, I think I, th- I think of oh my god, there's so many Jacques Tati films. On. We this have is to what do I'm right, so I right. We have to do Melville, Jean-Pierre Melville, Jean-Pierre Melville. Yes, this yeah. is something we'd all there agree. There are so on. many Jacques Tati films on Criterion right oh, now. Oh, dude, dude, dude. Also, and I, I have, I've been, I've been tweeting this, but Criterion just put up like 20 Werner Herzog movies, and yes. it's fucking incredible. It's like I haven't seen like 14 of these things. It's amazing. Is there one about the goal, the goalie that leaves the goalpost? I, I don't know. I'll have to look at the list. It's the first you, you one I've ever seen. That you mentioned I, I, that last time. It's I'm so gonna, odd. I'm this I think up. it's That's his great. first one, 1971. I want to wrap this up a little bit. Yes, but, okay. But right. um, I, I got a couple things that, you know, actually I was thinking about this in terms of the podcast about like how we started this. So like I've, I've actually like loved movies for a long time, mm-hmm. but I have never thought of myself as at all and still don't. As a movie intellectual person, mm-hmm. I just kind of love movies right. and listen to them and like think about them right. in weird ways. I'm not like, you know, I and I there are movies that are really stupid, like like Dreamscape that I God kind bless. of enjoy liking. What a fucking awesome movie that was! You know, whatever it is, <laughs> it's a great movie. And I'm like, okay, capital M movie, that thing, right? Unbelievable. So 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 I I don't see myself as. Uh, uh, as a as a movie person, like someone who likes to go to the Met and see a bunch of impressionist paintings, a snob, right? <laughs> like yeah, I like, do not go for right. Snob I'm not the Frasier of movies, right, right? Right. Like I will, I will, I will, I will see the shittiest. I will see Predator, and right. I will see the Third Man, right? Absolutely, right? Oh, or, or whatever, you know, or some Jim Jarmusch film, yep. or Until the End of the World, or yep. whatever it is. Absolutely. So. Uh, 
I, I, I like I like it, and I'm not trying to say that I like I, I whatever it is, but I feel differently about movies, mm-hmm. and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast specifically is because both of you guys have different perspectives on things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys – before we did this podcast, you guys never – you talked a little bit when you worked together with each other? Yeah, talk, talk about stuff, things that – yeah. But know, I don't like, think – like to me, it was just so logical that we should all talk about this stuff. Oh, I think – yeah, I think it's perfect – you know, if we're going to choose three strands of input and like this is the most interesting blend uh, just because like there's – there's like the, like you were saying before, like uh, there's there's – different uh how can we say like like everyone's bringing a different spoonful of stuff right you know and in the, and that's what makes it interesting because like like there's, there's so much like uh, you're getting reflective is is there i th- well this is the last this is the last one and then we and then we no, die no i'm not getting reflective <laughs> eric has Before this paranoia we that we're gonna this is the end of the podcast no that's fine it's fine i think i've i told i told my wife when this happened i was like we just write it until you know something happens it's like look if you can be like, for me, it, I've always said, like, even with um, the work that I do on the side, which I've been working on for a year and draining my bank account, um, you know, if you can have a career like The Clash where it's just five, six years. Yeah, fucking jam it, man. It's and awesome. then that's it. That's it. I don't fucking in. care. I'll go work right. at a, a library in the Midwest. Yeah. I know that no, I did that. It would also be a pretty sick job. No, you, because you can, you know that you did it. Yep. And so when there are artists that you see, it's like, um, and they fret about stuff and you're like, but you did this. I mean, yeah, no your doubt. first, uh, thing. And honestly, I don't know. I don't think anything's going to happen with what I've been working on for a year. But if it does, that's icing on the cake. But I tell my wife, that's like, if that goes through, then it doesn't need to be anything else. Yeah, the the doing it is the important thing. Like it's gonna, it, it'll happen. It won't happen, but it, if it happens, it'll happen because you did it. You don't. And, and, <laughs> like, there's just no okay. two ways about it. Yeah, right. but, well, the thing is also going back to the podcast. It's like you just have to write it out. You know, yeah, exactly. and get those albums out, and then you go because uh, you know. Well, this is the thing that the, there's the, a city the, the maybe that looks like Vancouver like because you know. My my other podcast is actually uh, uh, gets a lot of attention, specifically because of the psychic matters and the guests that I sure, have on, absolutely. which is great. Uh, so when we started this one, this was a spinoff of it, which is great, and it's getting not necessarily as much attention, which is but fine. it bothers you. No, well, let's get to that. You think it bothers me, but it doesn't. I actually like the experience of coming here with you guys on Tuesdays and doing this thing. Same. Absolutely. Right? Because that, to me, is a release. Right. And something fun and not... Could you say like a full release? Well, yeah, more yeah, half and half. Henry Lee. <laughs> it's all right. Either way. Yeah. 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 It doesn't matter. It, to me, it's a release, right? Right. And, and Wait, that's are a, these microphones on? Yes. So, oh. <laughs> so that that's important to me, and I I, I appreciate that 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 kind of stuff. So, uh, and so she's like, well, then just keep doing that. Don't worry about cool. the f- fucking rest. Yeah, who gives it's a shit? fucking podcast. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, if I don't if I don't come here and I'm talk not, into I'm a microphone spending... about this with you guys, then I'm just gonna mumble it to myself on the train. I may as well do this. <laughs> Doesn't right. make any difference. So whatever. And and uh, the thing is, podcasts are cheap. Damn tootin'. 
and I and you know so whatever absolutely and 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 honestly the fact that I basically can make an appointment with you guys every Tuesday mm -hmm. as opposed to saying hey let's get together sometime no we have an appointment yeah no it's no, I, see that's I'm another thing that I really like about it yeah. we have an appointment every Tuesday we're here and you know we'll sit here drink LaCroix whiskey and Pete's black and white. Pete's Thanks black a lot. and white. La, La Colombe. La Colombe failed us. <laughs> I, will tell, I, will tell, I will tell that to Kristen. Oh, so like, embarrassing. You know, God damn. No, she, did not, she did not uh, uh, get the, the sponsorship for La Colombe. Yeah. But anyway, that's, the, that's important, you know. And I, I appreciate that. And I think it's important for, for us to do this. Um, back to your point, Eric. So um, – there is a, a friend of, uh, of my wife, and uh, they – he was a filmmaker. She was a graphic designer. They were – he had done a bunch of films. You know, he worked on set on a bunch of stuff. And they basically decided at the last minute to, like, say, fuck it. And uh, they moved to Montana. I love Montana. Right? Beautiful. And, Beautiful country. Uh, they 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 have a wonderful life up there. Mm -hmm. She uh, still does freelance graphic design in Montana mm -hmm. for small things that are necessary in Montana. Mm -hmm. And he has started a business of doing um, uh, truck modifications. Oh, nice! Uh, specifically for like camping in the back of your pickup truck. Fuck yeah! That dude. kind of stuff, right? <laughs> And they started a whole business doing that. You can't pick a better place in America to do it than there. Right. That's gorgeous. And, and like, it's it's doing really well. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to make a movie to be successful. You don't know. You just have and to be in happy. Fact, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they're, like, really, really happy, happy doing that. Yeah. Right? But I've known a lot of people, like, like oh, wait a minute. No, I don't have to make it in the movie. Doesn't whatever. make any difference. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, I, I'm, I've got ideas that are related to the movie industry, mm -hmm. as Eric does as well. And I think Eric really needs needs to get this idea out. And mm -hmm. I'm a hundred percent. And I will. No, it, we just finished the pilot. Went out. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And that's it. I mean, it's I'm great, done. I, but, I, I, but truthfully, guys, I am actually not far behind your friends. I know Montana. How do you know? I can see it in your eyes. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell I mean, in the I little think if, it, 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 I can see it in the scar of your cornea below that <laughs> fake lens. That's right, the, well, the I, lens there's nothing, you, you know, I don't want to say stuff because you'll end up cutting it out, but it's fine. No, I, I, there's nowhere for me to go in visual effects and there's no really place to go. And so this thing that I've been spending time on is really my last thing. And that's why there's such a passionate voice in it. And whatever happens, happens. But I pretty much have a starting next week. I'm, you know, shifting to other things. All right, that was a that was a very serious look you just gave. Well, you know what? I had a timeline, yeah. but I got it out, and I felt good about that's it. The, that is, this is the important thing to do. Like Eric, the, it's like that's the important. I, that's the I, only important I, thing. I a hundred. I've always believed in you. I know I you believe, have, and that's I, why I did the show. I believe I've believed in you I, most I of the time. You got me a job at DD when 
in an interview, you probably were scared of me. And I really appreciate you getting me that job. And I'm always grateful. That's why it doesn't matter. I'll, you know, hook you up, help you out. I helped you with your videos. I helped you bury the body of that prostitute. In the oh, back you, of the you buried that finally? You fu- yeah, oh it was God, tough. That was I was fucking, rotting my oh, I didn't want, so I didn't want to say anything. It was just getting That's weird. not, you know what? And when you buy sheets of plastic at Home Depot. In that kind of bulk? I should have got the that. three mil. Flag, three mil. Don't go for the one mil. No. I was but that was my mistake. Like, I don't need this. I got the one mil and I I just I I didn't read it right. I didn't have my glasses. Exactly. See? Yeah. Three mil plastic for a body. Can't scrub that stuff out. Don't do it. It's just fucking just the smell just appropriate, you know. That's another thing. Might as well wrap them in saran wrap at that point. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You need you need some heavier plastic. Do they make like a top? Like body size Tupperware. Oh, that would be really good. They should do that. Yeah. Like because I mean because you know that if it's really plumped up, then you probably should take care of it because there's a lot of gas in there. I know. I'm saying. I know. I dealt with that with mangoes the other day. Plumping had, mangoes? No, I had I had I had a bunch of mango sliced up mango and some Tupperware and the Tupperware was bulging it's, out. It's puckered like, up. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's like, a gas wow. bomb. Nice, yeah. nice fermentation yeah. on that mango. Uh, you get pretty hammered before you die. <laughs> <laughs> some internal infection. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. 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 Yes. But Basically, yes. the same deal with the prostitute. It was like a little. Yes. Yeah. No, but I'm very grateful. You've been. You have been very generous and nice. So I have no. I'm not generous. Honestly, I'm not. I believe. You're stingy. Mm. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> you know, it means all the more. And that's because, why uh, you didn't get any complaints from me. Like in a sense, like you know, I do the graphics on the website. I'm like, mm-hmm. man, just do it because you know, I I am forever appreciative for the digital domain. Really? Got, yeah, it got me in because I don't think I could have made that bump because I you know I'm an artist, but you know I. You do have to be able to do the work, though. And you, you fucking did. did the work. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I did the work. But getting in the door, I, I'm really bad at interviews. Right, right, right. I'm bad at interviews. You know, I not I, to I, sound lament. I'm just I'm bad at interviews. No, so, you're 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 you have had people that didn't hear your interviews. I heard your interview. Yeah, you're you're okay. Honest speaking, you're scattering. You people know who listen to the the the, the podcast. You're like, hold on a second, and you're like, tangent, tangent, tangent. It scares. Fasc- yeah. Fascinating tangents. Fascinating yep. tangents. So if you're willing to hang out for the conversation, so worth it. Yep. Okay. So worth it. But most people aren't. But they want like, but give me the fucking answer to the. the I asked you a question. It's like, hold on, let me tell you about my Bruce Springsteen experience. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Tell me about this. Let's do this. Which is, by the way, why you got along with Scott Ross so well, because he does the same fucking thing. (laughs) Well, that's interesting you say that, because when I first started talking to Scott, I think there was somebody outside his door, like not a secretary, but somebody who worked with him. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And I would just walk into his office the first time. And he's like, hey, who are you? I'm like, Eric. And we were talking. I said, you know, I saw you with a guitar. And he's like, oh, yeah. Because he had a Strat there with a black body. It looked like early 70s. And we started talking about that. We talked about Cream. And then he was saying, oh, I went to Hunter. I was like, my mom went to Hunter. He's like, oh, man, I saw Cream at 67 at Hunter College. On the east side. You guys are both New Yorkers too. And he just – we talked about that and love of Jeff Beck. And so then I would just dip in his office and he would be like working. And I'd be like, 
quick. I want to just tell you just something. Gotta say. <laughs> just got to say. Just got to say. But sometimes you'd be like, I really got to get back to work. I'm like, all right, I got to get – I'm on my lunch break. But I thought I'd just tell you that Clapton story, okay? i tell you that. Yeah, no, I like I liked Scott a lot. We didn't, I, mean, I don't know awesome. if you remember me, but I, uh, I definitely thought – Santa Barbara. You're going to see guy. him when you go to see uh, Mark, Mark Well, right? I'll be backstage, but yeah. That's, yeah just <laughs> hanging out and waiting for Mark. With with M- uh, MK. Yeah, it's true. But, um, but Mark Knopfler. Uh, but uh, – <laughs> It's okay. At the end, it's, it's about silent K. Knopfler. Knopfler. <laughs> Mark Knopfler. <laughs> it's like Pfeiffer. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I love I love Michelle Pfeiffer. She's fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> I knew I'd get you on that one. Here's oh, a qu- here's a real question. <laughs> how do you think How do you think they justified the opening of Dreamscape? Because the quality was not that good. Oh, of it's the effects. so great. How can they justify that though? They're oh, like, dude. Uh, they, you they're think like, they're like, let's get a, let's 84, that was very acceptable. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, the, that's drive-in acceptable. That's drive-in movie acceptable. Beyond right drive-in. Yeah, that was, that was A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Now, Maybe Stylish. I'm just putting a different lens on it. I, I think just that, was, that's, that's, that's like the, Liquid Sky style, yeah. you know, like in, interpretive music video-ish. The matte lines yeah. were like, whoa. Pretty uh, magic markery. <laughs> it's pretty intense. But man, oh man, that, that, that thing has like those – that style of animation and effect, you just don't get that today. Okay. That's a special, I, special time. I am going to uh, 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 what, uh, propose another pairing. And God, just like, just as I said, I forgot the name of it. God damn it. Memory problems again. Jean-Pierre uh, Marvel. No, 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 no. It's about a computer... Computer being games. part of your life, not, not Demon Seed. No, no, it's the newer one with uh, no eighties film. Eighties uh, film. Computer being part of your life, uh, like like a helpful computer that then suddenly gets a consciousness. So the pairing is going to be with her. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll right? talk about her for sure. Right, yeah. but then there's a there's a there's another. You should watch Pin. Oh yeah, you keep telling me about. We keep talking about Pin. I do want to do Pin. Yeah. Maybe maybe that would be a this good Hollywood uh, Halloween film. Yeah. It's so creepy. What was the Halloween film that I mentioned that, that I thought would be great? Oh yeah, we hit, well we don't have to do it for Halloween, but I really want to do Exorcist. Electric three. Dreams. Oh, Electric Dreams. I forgot about Electric, Electric Dreams. Dreams yes. and her. That's interesting. That's an interesting combo. I'll go for that. Yeah. Is that the next week? No. No, next, next week, week we have a guest. We have a guest. Yeah, that's right. And that is going to be uh uh Zardoz, right? We're doing Zardoz. Zardoz. Very excited. Very Which excited. I've never seen. Okay. That Nick? is that's and, a movie. <laughs> and uh, the, the person on the, the the guest who's gonna be on there is X Ray. That is actually he is mostly known as X Ray. I I, I and cannot there's a wait story for this. behind why he's known as X Ray, which we can talk about on the podcast. But uh it's funny because his name is Craig. <laughs> right? Not X or Ray. Right. right. But if you go to your keyboard and you realize that the letter X is right next to C, mm-hmm. uh, he was in college and invited a bunch of people to a kegger of some kind in an email, mm-hmm. but signed his name and misspelled his own name. <laughs> Instead of doing Craig, he wrote X-Reg. 
X-Rig. <laughs> That's right? amazing. So X-Rig. then they basically joked about it's like call him X-Rig, and then it basically turned into X-Ray. Morphed, morphed into X-Ray. X-Ray during the course of the party. Makes like, sense. Hey, it's X-Rig. Oh, X-Ray. And then they turned into X-Ray. Mm-hmm. And then apparently that like pretty much became his college That nickname. was his handle. That was it. But he also was doing raves. And oh, doing man. things, a, yeah, and then like in then X-ray became like his rave right. name, right? And then because they were like doing stuff, then they became Agent X-ray. Yeah, nice. And then he, everyone called him X-ray. That's pretty sick, dude. Mm. I gotta say, that's pretty sick. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're looking forward to that. And he is actually uh, speaking of DD. He's one of the earliest employees of DD. That's amazing. He's like employee number like twenty. I'm I'm looking forward to talking. What does he do now? Uh, he actually works in the game industry. So he works for, I forgot the name of the game company, I'm sorry, uh, Immersive Games or something like that. I'm very interested in this. Uh, um, and he, uh, one of the big film, like he can't talk, tell me about, because games are like, if you think films are secretive. Oh man, yeah. Games, games are, are whole way more secretive. Different ballpark. So uh, he, uh, the last big film that he can, or last big movie, or Sorry, game that he can talk about is the uh, Spider-Man uh, PlayStation game. Oh, it's supposed to be great. I haven't played it, but it's supposed to be awesome. Yes. Yeah. So he worked on that. Nice job. Which nice uh, got high accolades. Yeah, that's supposed to be And great. there's a lot of technology that goes on behind yeah. that, which he was involved with. Right. So I don't have a PlayStation. That's the only reason I've played it. I but, just I yeah. got one for my daughter for her birthday. Oh, nice. Which PS4. one? PS4? Yeah. 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 I have the Xbox. That's Xbox or PC. Uh, we have a PlayStation 4, and then somehow through some uh, lottery at some school thing, mm-hmm. of you know, you put your bid in to, to – or is, what, what do they call those things? Uh, uh, a live auction. Live auction. Live auction. Silent auction. Silent auction thing, yes. A uh, hush we, auction. We won a uh, Nintendo Switch. Oh, sick. That's nice. System. Have you played Breath of the Wild? No. Oh man, that's freaking great. I that's know. Beautiful. Breath of the Wild, and then we haven't played the Zelda thing or yep. all that stuff. It's great. It's great. I love it. It's very pretty. You know what's interesting? Uh, so sidetrack on game. Uh, my son was really into Fortnite for a long time, mm-hmm. and then he was like, "Fuck it, I hate Fortnite." He said, "Fuck it, really?" No, well, he didn't. Fuck say it fight. and fuck you. This and fucking fuck you, stupid fucking game. Fortnite fell out of favor. Right, yes, right, big time. Yeah, like suddenly, like, like a light switch, boom! That's Everyone it. stopped playing Fortnite. Yeah, right. Because of Apex, supposedly, yeah, but that the, wasn't actually it. That wasn't it. It just died. No, I mean, I'm part. talking about it on the on the level of a like an eight or nine year old. Right, right. It just, just it just fell off the map. Just, just was gone. stopped. Yeah, right. And We're so done. then he's like. All right, I'm going to go back to playing Minecraft, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do a few things. And he plays those things. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's like, I'm going to – in the last month, not even that, last couple of weeks, he's like – Civilization Six. No, he's starting to play Minecraft. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. uh, 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 Fortnite again. It, it got back on the, the okay list. Yeah. Interesting. Suddenly, what suddenly like – and I, he – He just he needed like, a palate cleanser. I think so. Yeah. But what's also interesting about Fortnite is that he he is a lot of his school friends on it and he talks to them on Fortnite. Yes, right. 
and that is that is a level of social interaction. Well, that, you know, I think we you know I've talked about this before. It's the like when you talk to younger the the youngest generation, yeah. like they're not like there's no like social media scene. They're not. It's not like the millennial scene where it's like social media go go and Instagram and Snapchat. Yeah. It is YouTube and games. Yeah, right. that's what Period. my daughter plays. It's YouTube <laughs> and games. Right. YouTube and games is it. That is it. Right. That is the whole world. Do you hear? Did he? And it's did, a totally different world than anything about, we know about. Actually, there was some article. It was on a, on a, on a technology podcast. It's like Netflix said our biggest competitor is YouTube. not is no, it's Fortnite. It is Fortnite? Yeah. Well, because yep. that's screen time. Yeah. Like right. if you're playing right, Fortnite on your TV, you're not watching Netflix. This is why this is why Google is getting into games. And Google's oh, yeah. doing Stadia and stuff like that. Like that's they're getting they, into games. Yeah, they have. A, uh, they want. Uh-huh. They want your screen time. Yeah. The amount of time you spend in their system. Is that is what is. That's what they can sell. They are farming you. That's what it is. That's the whole idea. Guys, but, do you realize the eye damage? A whole generation. <laughs> I'm, 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 I was, on, I was on the forefront of that. Okay, damage. hold on. My mom used to tell me, it was like, don't stand so close to the TV or whatever." I know you just had eye surgery, Eric. But <laughs> we don't have OLED or LCD. Like it's a totally different thing. Yeah, we strap and you're staring at it a lot more. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's going to be a huge influx CRTs. of eye problems. You store, you were staring at CRT TVs way longer. There's a lot more radiation. But it's a radiation gun firing at your face yes. all, all day long. Yeah, that's uh, right. Uh, LCDs don't have any. I know, but kids are on. I'm telling you, they, you know what's going to be like? It's going to be like Steve Martin's movie, The Jerk. You know, they put them the glasses and then everyone gets cross-eyed because yes. of the glasses. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> what was that called? The Waymo? Or, uh, I may be able to get more <laughs> money to you next week because my wife is going to give me a blowjob. Oh, the best. Uh, I finally found my special purpose. Special purpose. Special purpose. All right. Uh, guess want to wrap it up? Yes, wrap it up. That's it. All right. All right, because we got to do pictures and uh, I got to drive to the Bay Area tomorrow, so I got to get out of here. All right. Well, we would like to say to our listeners if you get a chance, if you have enjoyed this program, uh, please uh, talk to us on the aforementioned social media, but also uh, on things like Facebook. uh, Give us a recommendation and uh, and, uh, endorse us and send us out to your friends. Actually, Apple Podcasts would be a good thing. That'd be a great one. So, Apple Podcasts is no longer iTunes, iTunes is defunct. Mm hmm. So it's now Apple Podcasts. So if you're on Apple Podcasts and you say, hey, I like this podcast, let us know. Give us a star rating on that and also give us a rating. Who's in charge of social media on this thing? Fuck it, fine. Oh, shit. That's you. <laughs> Who's in charge of everything looking cool? Eric. Yeah, but hold on a second. We Are we bumping up the social media game like you were getting after us about like two months ago or no? Not, not yet, no. Not no. yet. No. We'll get there. Yeah. I'm not. I, I tweet a lot. I tweet a lot now. You do actually. Yep. Uh, actually, you know our 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 stuff on Twitter is actually pretty high. I've been I've been trying to I've been trying to push the tweets. Tweet, yeah, and tweet it up. I like that that angle because I mean, I like Facebook is a little bit like I I can see Twitter being a better social platform to push. So, I, yeah, no, that's a, that's been a little bit more way, identifiable. At, at Martini John on Twitter. That's right. No uh, underscore. No it's underscore. not fucking Instagram. No, not fucking Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Son of a bitch. But Who is that really, guy? <laughs> like, I, it's, uh, I don't know. We'll get to that. All right, guys. Thanks right. so much. Thank you. That was quite lovely. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. <laughs>